Well, some of my patients prefer walking, some prefer bicycling, but for the best results, to guarantee satisfaction, most of them like walking. You know, punta, punta, punta. I'm talking to you, you prick. What do you say? Why'd you look me in the eye and say that? I can't. I'm blind. You're really blind? Yes, I'm really blind, man. What are you, fucking deaf? Yes, I'm fucking deaf. In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! You get together, have a few laughs. Bastards of the universe! Welcome back, everybody, to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, the host that sits on the left, the one who drinks, Ron Avis. And joining me would be the gentleman over there to the north. That's me, Adam Peterson. And I know a few things. You know a few things. That's exactly what we do. And together, like, you know, if we were one of those, like, combiner transformer robots. Yes. You would be the head. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I would be, like... The left leg, or something. You would be I don't the, know. the rest of like. That's, <laughs> I would be the. <laughs> you would be the. No, the, I would the have to be. Body. You'd be like the punching arms. The. I would have trip, to. The kung fu rip. <laughs> you'd, shoot the, you'd shoot the tape deck out of your chest. Yeah, I'm in charge of the tape deck. I mean, whatever, whatever's in charge of holding a, a you know, a cup to to bring to the lips to the brain. That that's what I part of the body I would have to be. And then, like, when we turned into whatever it was that we turned into, if it was a dinosaur <laughs> or a car or something cool, I would simply... A film projector. That's I what would we would... I would fold turn. inside and <laughs> and do nothing. I would just be Even there. Better. I would be there waiting to spring back up into position to denote uh, some sort of human-like context <laughs> as a robot. Oh my God! I want you to pitch the next Transformers movie so bad. <laughs> give me, give me your idea for the new Transformers movie. Like you just, oh. you just kick, you you just kicked. Um, oh God, Michael Bay. Thank you, Jesus Michael Christ. Bay. You just, you just kicked Michael Bay to the curb, and now, now you know, like we're coming to you, and you've like got this great idea to save the Transformers franchise. What would you do? Like, what will be the general synopsis? And I can't reuse John Cena, right? Because he's already. <laughs> you know, well, you can reuse John Cena if you um, just create a bunch of if, continuity. If you errors. combine it, if you mix it with like another uh, character from the series. Like if I was to pick. get another wrestler, and no. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying you can have John Cena, but you can't have his his character or or his personality, which is always just John Cena wrestler. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> he is John Cena, the wrestler, in yep. a different outfit. 
Are you saying that your pitch for a Transformers movie would just be two hours of John <clears throat> Cena in different in a outfits. coffee shop in different outfits? <laughs> no robots or anything. Maybe he's the robot, and you just have John Cena turn into different things in the po- in the post credit scene. Like that's when you get it. Yeah, You're, you have to wait the entire movie and the then whole be, movie. Yeah, and then you have to be an OG and wait to the end of the, the very credits. end of the movie. And then at that point, and only at that point, you get the full transformation. She turns <laughs> into a metal kite and flies away. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh my god, I'm buying the shit out of that. Oh yeah, people are gonna people are gonna line. They're gonna start lining up now, <laughs> and I've not even written it. They're like, oh, here's twenty dollars. Do you have a title, like a catchy title that you could just attach to this project? Because uh, you know you gotta you gotta be able to throw that up there. Yeah, I gotta. Uh, it's gotta be. You know, it's gotta be. You gotta really grab the audience. Be like, Transformers. What are we at? Nineteen. Transformers. Nineteen. <laughs> John Cena as a lot of different people <laughs> in the movie with uh, outfits of varying. <laughs> Types and varieties denoting specific (laughs) jobs. This is like Birds of Prey level of length. Yes. We're going to surpass that title. We're going to need a second poster for the remainder of the title. (laughs) It's going to be expensive. That's doubling your marketing. We're we're just like, I need a second. The second poster is just words. People are like, no, no, no. You have to start with this poster. (laughs) Otherwise, the second poster makes absolutely no sense at all. (laughs) And you won't even know what movie you're excited about. No, exactly. It's just a f- floating pa- some John words. Cena just in different outfits where he's denoted <laughs> as different characters. What is this movie? I don't even know what this movie is. John Cena's in it? Uh, John That's Cena's good enough for me. I'll see it. I'll see it. Does he wrestle in this movie? What if The Rock's going to be in this too? I mean, oh, they'll, save, they'll save him for Nipples. the sequel. Nipples need to soften so I can walk through. I don't want to set off any hard nipple alarms. Yes. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, that's a thing. That's a real thing. I literally sell them on Amazon. I knew it. I knew it. It's an echo Okay. Product. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was, that was, we are like minutes past the end of the theme song that like fades in right yeah. now at this point. <laughs> Here you go. Rich, delicious tangents right off the bat. <laughs> Just juicy, <sighs> dripping. Just like grandma used to make. Lips. Just, yeah. That's exactly how Grandma used to make it. Okay, no, it, like six minutes in, we're gonna you're gonna learn what the this episode is in regards. This is a podcast to. about different outfits for John <laughs> Cena. That's it. We this deep, is the new. This is the new number one. It's a whole new format we're going with. <laughs> what if John, John Cena, Cena was a librarian? <laughs> this is probably what he would wear. I bet he turns into a metal kite. No, what? So, so fucking metal. How does it not just fall out of the sky? Kites aren't metal. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's CGI. It does. It does in Transformers world. Yeah, it just flies because it's uh, because he's a transformer. Transformers fly. Dogs living with cats. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. That's right. (laughs) No this this episode we're we're going to be mastering uh, the second pick of my. February event that we're we're doing here. We're like smack smack dab. We're like exactly in the middle of this spectacular. Yep. This movies we have a love affair with. And <laughs> you know, like we're supposed to be picking movies that we love 
and it, it feels a bit dubious to say like my pick see no evil you know hear no evil from 1989 starring Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder is a movie that like of all the movies I picked two for the month and this is one of my movies it's a movie that we love it <clears throat> is, it's a it's a fun movie that I love uh it, the I should have just, the the thing should be with parameters of how many times you've seen it. Yes. You know, like if you've seen a movie a hundred times, you kind of love that movie, I think, you at do. that point. <laughs> you could watch so many other things, 99 times worth of other things, but you chose See No Evil, Hear No Evil, or exactly. Harvey, or Hot Rod, you know, or, just movies yeah. you've seen bunches of times. It doesn't denote quality. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much quantity, but I mean, once you add all that all that quantity up, you get a movie that you want to talk get, about you get for a lot an of hour and a half to two hours, <laughs> which you can convert into the idea of quality. Yes, yes. Three time for three pieces of quantity, you get an idea of of quality. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's not it's, a guaranteed winner. <clears throat> There's a lot of math. I mean, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> no, we don't need to get the charts out. No pie. An astrolabe. That's for measuring <laughs> stars, so that doesn't even make sense. But it sounds really cool. It sounds like an official tool. I'll use this Beautiful. astrolabe. Beautiful. Okay. So see no evil, hear no evil. 1989. Uh, it's 103 minutes long, uh, which, you know, honestly, it feels a bit overlong. Like, this movie could have been 10 to 15 minutes shorter. You know, rewatching it again uh, after several years of not seeing it. But uh, enjoy and still enjoyable. Uh, it was released in on May twelfth, nineteen eighty nine, uh, and it had an eighteen million dollar budget, which um, is pretty good, I would say, even for like, you know, I mean, it's pretty cheap for yeah for a have, comedy for, in for a comedy, yeah. It's not a lot of money, and you know, you probably had to pay Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder. You know, a good, a pretty good sum of that budget. <laughs> yeah, after you watch the movie and you realize there's literally no one else in this movie that you would even right. recognize at all. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, they they had to just absorb everything. Although I've always read that it's very expensive to shoot uh, on uh, or like offset, like a you know, like like I forget what do you call it? The, what's the term? On location. On location, there you go. Yeah, so this this almost this entire movie was shot on location in New York City. So like that had to probably cost a little bit. It costs money to make it seem like a car can singularly be driving down a busy New York City street with no other cars on the road. Like they couldn't have like hired a couple of extra drivers or something to just fill out the scene a little bit. Not like they did in the French Connection. Yeah. <laughs> I I just I just you know crack up at some of this stuff in this movie. Uh, it, it is very much like a movie that a twelve year old would adore. Oh, which absolutely! Is around probably you know I was around the age when this movie came out. I saw it. I was around twelve. It was R rated, but it was like a very uh, obtainable R rated R rated movie. Yeah, because, a lot know, of look, just look ma. One of the guys is Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, look at that. He's the Chocolate Factory guy. Can I watch it? That's sweet Willy Wonka. And that, that gentleman right over there, he was in the toy with Jackie Gleason. Yeah. So it can't be that bad. It's a movie about toys. Yep. What the hell was I talking about? <laughs> Jackie Gleason. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Jackie Gleason was paid $46 million to get his name taken off this movie. Yeah. It was a hefty, it was a hefty sum. Yeah, it was. No, no, but th- this movie grossed $46 million, which is pretty awesome. That's I mean, for 89. And, 1989? Uh, uh, just a, a standalone comedy? Yeah. I mean, that, granted, that now in May is full-blown, like mid-May, w- it now is full-blown, you know, summer. That's summer movies. Movie season, yeah. Back in 1989, I'm sure it was a bit, you know, like what a February or March movie would be right now. Yeah, it would just be like May is like, okay, kids are still in school. It, it, it's it's it just barely, you know, like, I don't think any schools are out. Like, you're, you're just... Yeah. You're just coasting on the idea of it possibly being like a summer movie <laughs> you're the month is adjacent to a summertime month. <laughs> um but you know yeah nowadays it's like here's a blockbuster on a uh, february 18th coming this hey. summer april 12th <laughs> no wait what that's not even springtime i made a note here that the movie actually held the number one spot uh after released for two straight weeks and uh well, there you go. as and and just to put just to put that into perspective a little bit uh here's here's some movies that were released in May of 89. Uh Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, wow. Field of Dreams, The K9. Uh, we've talked about K9 before on the podcast, I'm sure. With Jim Belushi? <laughs> With Jim Belushi and a oh, dog. Oh yeah. Nevertheless, huge delicious. Pet Cemetery. Major League, Roadhouse, fucking wow. Roadhouse, wow! With the Swayze man coming off all that dirty dancing money, and uh, the John Cusack comedy, say anything. So I mean, all those movies came out around when this movie was released, and, and Titanic. Yet, no, no, the Titanic didn't come out. Was that? Oh, that was later. <laughs> 98, I think. Oh, I had the 89, 98. <laughs> you get those up. mixed up I, all I the had time. That Actually, uh, I know that movie was released in '98. Was it '96? I couldn't out? couldn't even begin to tell you. Okay, I saw My, it maybe, on a plane. Maybe '97. I I think I think it came out December of '96. I think that's when it came Let's out. Let's see. I saw it when I was 15. That would have been 1998 on a plane. So yeah, '97. '97 makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was in theaters like for two years yeah, I mean, forever it never left the number one spot oh not gosh. even that it was not even that it was still in theaters but it was like holding on to the number one spot forever yeah it's like people every just, week there's wheeling tvs up and plugging them in next to the theater like no no keep <laughs> watching titanic it's really good we promise <laughs> we'll we'll wheel this behind you to the car <laughs> and you'll have seen it again yeah you just keep watching it oh the boat sinks what no are you serious uh. The boat sinks again. If you watch it oh, rewind, Jesus. everybody's happy and alive at the end. See no evil, hear no evil was rated twenty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, oh, uh, you know, for a comedy, a is that by critics? Comedy that well, that's Rotten Tomatoes. Who uh, I mean, you know, how Rotten Tomatoes works. <laughs> yeah, the the <laughs> they're, they're, some just, of them are critics, I guess. Well, the the critics <laughs> critics score and then the audience score because it's like I can't imagine the audience scored this at twenty eight. Did they? All you have to do is va- just generally like the movie, and you get full credit on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I just don't like how it works. I don't like how their aggregation works. It's uh, garbage. Metacritic, 
Metacritic had a much better, more believable uh, score of 44%. So, you know, uh, you know, half the people liked it, half the people didn't. You know, it's just that kind of thing. And, you know, in 1989, these weren't the hottest superstars in the world anymore. Like, they were just, like, kind of a novelty or a gimmick by this time in their career. But anyways, I'm not trying to disparage those guys. <laughs> they made a great movie. It's Let's a see. movie we love. It is. <laughs> you could tell. The, the The movie was directed by Arthur Hiller. He had, like, a really interesting career, like... You know, he, he he was the director of the Out of Towners and Love Story and was just like huge in the seventies. You know, he hooked up with Wilder and, and Pryor uh in their first duo uh in Silver Streak in seventy six. Uh then, you know, he did you know, he did some other stuff. Not not a lot of stuff I'm familiar with, but then he kinda get, came back with, you know, this movie and then he directed Taking Care of Business, another another Belushi comedy. And um Outrageous Fortune, the Bette Midler, uh, 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 what's her name? Shelley, not Shelley Duvall, uh, uh, on Cheers. Shelley Long, thank Shelley you. Shelley Long, yeah. Come, come on, who Di- knows things? <laughs> Diane Chambers. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So he, he had like this really great, interesting career in the 70s, and then he kind of came back around to make some, okay, a- some amiable com- comedies. <laughs> he did Carpool in 1996 with... Uh, um, Tom Arnold. Well, of course. Obviously, I didn't have to mention that. That's um, an instant so, classic if people aren't yeah. familiar with it. <laughs> Carpool. That's a thing oh, that people worry about nowadays. That's a great film. If you've never seen it, <laughs> do yourself a favor. I'd rather watch The Honest Thief. Yeah, okay. no, you wouldn't. You'd still rather watch <laughs> Carpool. All right. I might laugh and enjoy myself accidentally or sarcastically with Carpool. All right. So the movie was written by um, a, a duo, I guess, a couple of credits here, Earl Barnett, who uh, really, he was a TV writer. Uh, his main claim to fame was he's a writer for Welcome Back, Cotter. A great you know, show. All, all good. It's all good. And then there was an... Uh, on Sultan, I think, is the other writer, who did also mainly sitcom stuff. She did Get Smart, and uh, she wrote for Barney Miller. So, you know, that's who you're dealing with with writing. That There was actually sort of like an, probably what you consider like an unofficial third writer. Um, Gene Wilder was offered a writing job. He they, they The studio apparently approached him a couple times. Uh, to to do this movie, and he kept saying no. Uh, and one of his reasons for for saying no is, I guess the jokes were too broad against deaf and yeah, blind. he wasn't crazy about the way that they treated blind and deaf people. Right. So you know, him being like the kind of nice person, you know, you would imagine him to be, he just would de- politely decline. But you know, like I, I guess, like they just really wanted to get this nostalgia for these two guys back together. It's like, well, you you can change anything you want to change. So I have a feeling he changed a pretty great deal because never ever in the movie are you meant to feel sorry for either of these characters. No, I I think they because I forget the organization that Wilder wanted to donate a bunch of money to um, that refused it at first, but there were a lot of other uh, deaf organizations that were happy. Was that the Braille Institute? Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. Like they 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 didn't want. Um, 
they didn't want the money from it at first just because they I think they I, I don't I don't well, even know if they saw I think it. they objected to the language was the main thing. Yeah, there was the, you know, you got a Richard Pryor movie. Chances are the language is gonna be, you know, spicy. It and it was. It was a little spicy yeah. here and there. there it, it, spicy it, it didn't disappoint. No. I needed a, yeah, I needed a, uh, some water, some H two O. Some voice in my palate. Brand water. Yeah, that's right. That I drink while I'm eating podcast ham. Podcast ham, not just for dinner. No, but you're right. I uh, I think they declined that uh, money and really kind of disavowed any of their association with the movie. Because also, I read Richard Pryor attended. Well, he he I guess learned he observed some classes and learned how to properly walk with a cane. Like apparently it was. It was important to him to be able to pass a bit as a blind man. Like, and you know, Richard Pryor is never going to get any accolades, even from his most diehard fans, about his acting prowess. You know. Yeah. But but I felt like he really tried to play a. He was blind he was guy. a convincing blind guy throughout the entire yeah. movie. He really was. I really felt like. And and in learning that he did go to that extra step to try and you know. You how to use a cane properly. I mean, he he at least tried to to play a convincing blind guy, and, and then never used job. a cane in the entire movie. No, he was too proud. He didn't. I'm want not using. No, he was cane. blind. Fuck, fuck that. Give me, give me, Mister uh, Mo, Big Mo, whatever you call that thing. <laughs> I still don't even know what that means. In the age of Google, I'm still just like, nah. I just would. I would just rather not know. Yeah. Um, but it is starring, uh, of course, Richard Pryor, who plays Wally or the blind one. Uh, and I think I feel like a lot of this movie is just gonna. I'm gonna spend a lot, a good deal of time just talking about how likable the main two stars are, just how much I enjoy both of them separately and together, especially when they're together. And uh, it this this is just like my introduction to the two. Like I remember being young and seeing like VHS copies of Stir Crazy, you know, because they're like it's kind of they're like in cost like bird costumes or yep. something on the cover. I mean, it draws the attention if you're a kid. You're like, what is this grown men dressed like birds? That's interesting. <laughs> just a couple of dudes dressed up as birds. You don't see that. Yeah, every day. but I I know that the bulk of their success was 70s and 80s. And by the time you're rolling around the late 80s, you know, like, neither is very relevant anymore. But um, I, I will, I will, and I, I say part of that is, to, is because I have pulled a little quote. It's like the last time I had, like, a little Roger Ebert quote uh, while talking about Hot Rod. I was like, I'll try and grab another quote, a positive quote. There weren't a whole lot. <laughs> and from the people that um, did give it, you know, not like glowing reviews, but you know, like kind of like you say all the time, like, do you, don't you like fun? I understand. Yeah. Like it's, you know, like the, it's a the funny movie. Who, it's Richard Pryor yeah. and Gene Wilder. Yeah. How can you legitimately object to this? Right. I mean, you know, like I, I know it's not the greatest film, but, um, it's, it's fun. You're just, it's just a distraction. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. It's an hour and 40 minutes of a couple of really funny guys being right. funny. In right. a movie. So anyways, I pulled a quote up. Pryor and Wilder, who haven't always been successful in their solo film work, seem to inspire each other in their joint ventures. I totally agree with that. I feel like they really do. 
uh, bring out the best in each other. Uh, and he said Encina Weevil uh, generates more laughs than most of their recent films. This is from Jack Garner of Garnet News. And so, like, even, even like, the best review that I could find really just kind of, like, acknowledges that he just likes to see these guys. <laughs> well, they had incredible chemistry. That was, that was one of the things... Um, from that that uh, that brief, uh, I think I was telling you last time uh, about when I saw Gene Wilder on uh, an old clip from Conan, mm-hmm. and he was ta- he Conan was talking to him about him and and prior in their work together, and they just had this remarkable chemistry on screen that was just so organic. Yeah, and it was funny because Gene Wilder was like, it didn't translate off screen. Like they weren't like best friends. They didn't hang out and do like oh, they had that's their too own. Bad. It really that's is. Too bad. But it's just, it's one of those, it's like, they just clicked that well on screen. I think there, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was, uh, there was, uh, they were filming a movie, um, and in one scene, like, uh, it didn't call for it. And I don't remember what the song was, but both of them started independently singing the same song or humming the same huh. song at the same time. And they're like, did you know you were going to do that before? And I was like, no, I didn't. Did you? I was like, no, I just started doing it. It's like. And right. it wasn't like one started doing it and then the other one picked it up. Like they both just started humming this song at the same time. And it was just one of those wild little stories about like these guys had such insane chemistry together on screen that it was like, yeah, throw them in something. It doesn't matter because these guys are going to work it out and it's going to be funny. It is sad that like, you know, to learn that they don't have like that, you know, friendship carried over personal to their because like some a lot of these like duos like what's what's like a famous duo like you see nowadays uh, who are who are really joined together, like two professionals that are really joined well, together. Well, one of the ones we were talking about not too long ago was uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco. That's one, yeah. That's definitely one that tops the brain. Yeah, I, that's good. Uh, and then, I don't know, like, I feel like any one of those, like, George Clooney uh, plus uh Brad Pitt, like yeah. those type guys, like I feel like they're in a. If they were fraternities in college, like they for movies, like they would be in the same one. <laughs> oh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, they just have that. They click. oh, wonderful, yes, good. So like they're they're better. Like the 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 product of the two of them is better than their parts individually. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's like even though they're both good, like I mean, Richard Pryor, his he's he's just one of those comics that just didn't translate super well to film. I mean, he did have some hits. And you know, you think of other like really really funny guys who've just never been able to really successfully make that leap from stand up like a, a Sam you know, like a, Yeah, his he he's shown so bright so shortly. I'm I'm thinking like a Jerry Seinfeld who had just like this long career yeah. of something other than a movie star. Just like for whatever reason, it just didn't translate. Like Chris Rock is another guy, and like I just his standup is just so good. Well, was, I don't like you can't find something interesting for him to do in a movie. <laughs> a Dana, Dana Carvey, I think, because uh, he's one of the guys. Lauren yeah. Michaels will talk about most frequently with I mean incredible regard as far as his comedic ability. Right. It just never, it was never something that translated into him being a leading man. And oh, Conan O'Brien is yeah. just like convinced he's a genius, like the, the funniest person alive. And he's been a guest on his podcast multiple times. Yeah. And uh, they're always really entertaining. Mike Myers, too, which makes me feel like it's sad that he doesn't have the juice to get anything made anymore. 
Yeah. Because, you know, even even seeing him and Dana Carvey together in that Super Bowl ad. That was fun. It was really fun. I mean, they it looked was. Gr- weird and melting like their faces were melting. Yeah, I was like, okay, you guys are not <laughs> kids anymore. Ooh, right. Time has... But, but <laughs> Yikes. But the spirit, the spirit yeah. was there, 100%. It was, yeah, it was, it was, if you... If you were Richard Pryor from See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and you could not see them on screen, and you yeah. could just hear them, you would yeah. enjoy what you were hearing because it was like pulled right out of the you know the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and it's one of the fewer like I feel like you would just think that he would have been a movie star on like Tom Cruise levels for R-rated comedy movies yeah. that were just so popular throughout the seventies and eighties. You would think like everything he touched would have been gold, but. I mean, he he was in Car Wash in '76, uh, and then he was in you know Silver Streak and Stir Crazy. Those were both big hits, and of course, yep. you know you got the connection that we're talking about here with Gene Wilder. The Toy was a hit, you know that was that was successful. Uh, then Superman Three was, uh, you know, for a lot of people, disappointing. <laughs> to me, it's like X Men Three. Like, what is it about Three? Spider Man Three? Like, <laughs> just it's like just it's that. that. Yeah, you you either you either nail it or you don't. It's it's yeah. flip of a coin. But that's not anybody's favorite Superman movie. And uh, then you had what Brewster's Millions, which is really one of my favorite eighties comedies. That's a great so movie. Him and John his, Candy. His, yes, his stock was really on the rise. And then and then like you know he had Critical Condition and Moving, just like a couple of the just like most generic comedies. Uh, then Harlem Nights, which was actually. More of an Eddie Murphy. Yeah, just it was more of an Eddie Murphy. Had to, he had to make a movie where he could be in the movie with John Pryor. Or that's that's or Richard Pryor. That's basically it. It's like I wanna I wanna use my star potential, the pool in Hollywood that I have, and I want to be in a movie with Red Fox and Richard Pryor. And it has to be right now. And us up. Problem Nights was never one of my favorite <clears throat> movies of theirs. I'm trying to think what comedy club it was. It was uh, I was watching something. It might have been. It might have been something connected to uh, Chris Rock's Tambourine, but I'm not sure because it was. Uh, it was Arsenio Hall, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Uh, it may have been one other guy. They were all sitting around. They were just talking, and Arsenio starts telling the story about uh, Richard Pryor being on stage at a comedy club, and uh-huh. Eddie, Eddie Murphy was there. Yeah. And Richard Pryor called, he's like, he, everybody's there to see Richard. And he calls Eddie up on stage. It was when Eddie was just starting out his career. And Eddie comes up and does, you know, does, I don't know, five, 10 minutes or something or, you know, and Richard Pryor, he doesn't, he doesn't leave. He goes and sits on the edge of the stage to watch him from the stage. And like, they just, oh. he, Arsenio talks about this moment where it was just like this amazing thing. You have Richard Pryor with all of his clout at, you know, at kind of the highest point of his career and Eddie Murphy coming up and just watching Richard Pryor. Yeah. I mean, dying at Eddie's material. It's like, okay, this is, this is one of those moments. Like if you're here for this, this is just one of those things you're it's like, Oh man, lightning in a bottle. Like this is the greatest well, that, thing. That ever. explains a lot of his admiration and, and respect that he's always talked about. Uh, but you know, that's, it's a fine enough movie. That That's a cool story. I like that. Yeah. Uh, but so that, yeah. So like the same year they did this movie, he did this movie and then they teamed up with Wilder once again in 91 for a movie called another you it was their fourth and final team up. 
And then and then he Richard Pryor just sort of disappeared. Like his last credited movie role was like some bit part in Lost Highway. Uh, but then that was it. And then, you know, Richard Pryor died in 2005, and he had a really sad, tragic, Christopher Reeves-level last chapter of his yeah. life. <laughs> Just so it sad. It was rough. But, I mean, of course, he was... Um, well, he was diagnosed in 86, I think is where he was actually diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Uh, but then he also suffered a, a near-fatal heart attack in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, around the time this movie was made. And that, you know, like I was talking about how something about Richard Pryor in this role, like he just didn't look quite there. Like, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He had, he had full control of his extremities and stuff. It's not like he couldn't walk or, or he struggled to move, but there was just that slight delay in his... Ex, you know, like he, his very expressive demeanor he has all the time when he's on and young, and he's he's you know hasn't you know been set on fire in a tragic freebasing cocaine yes. accident where he lit himself on fire. Uh, and, I hate and nearly, when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> dog on it. But I mean, the, he had suffered fourth and free, fifth degree burns all over like more than half his body, and you. I mean that that's fucked up. And then I think he had I'd mentioned he had a heart attack in the early or the late eighties, early nineties, but that was just his second heart attack. Like he had another heart attack when he was in his mid thirties. So I mean he was having some major He, he had issues. had a he had had a hard way to go. He lived a hard a hard life, especially once he rose to fame with I mean, drug addiction and all that. It's like Yeah. There was there was just a lot of things working against him, especially For at the sure. end. I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like one of those scenarios where he just died before he ever could reach his peak, you know, like those tragic type stories. Yeah. Like he did, he he did go all the way through. I mean, he had, he released a crazy number of like records, like 20, like 20 yeah. plus records, uh, comedy records, like crazy. Like you had, uh, what were, two of my favorite was like, just the Richard Pryor live, like in '77, yeah. when he's just really on. And then I also like the live on Sunset Strip in '82, where he got his shit together enough to make a comeback. Uh, like a couple years after his, you know, very public, yeah, very, I'm sure it had to be very embarrassing uh, to be so out of your brain. That you just was like, I'm gonna pour rum all over my body and light myself on fire. I mean, that's just an insane thought. It's um, it's not one that a lot of us have experienced on the regular. I think right, but he 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 reenacts that evening in his comedy. Like it's just like one of those like your the tr- the true greats are just tortured souls. Oh yeah, you know, and he had just been so tortured up to that point. And he just unleashed it in 82, and it was just so good. So I I was, you know, watching, you know, the old HBO specials and stuff as a kid, and you're like, you're like I'm not supposed to be watching this, you know? Like, I, I just have a great... a lot of words I'm not supposed to. Yeah, I don't know what this stuff is, but people seem to laugh after a lot of words I've never heard before. <laughs> I'll bet if I say them, people will laugh too. Yeah, right. <sighs> Especially in 35, 40 years. When social media is a thing. Yeah. I can't anticipate cancel culture because I'm only nine. 
<laughs> they surely they won't hold it against me. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. Um, but he, I, I was just very, I mean, not to an Eddie Murphy level obsession or admiration, but I definitely really liked Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder who plays Dave. Uh, he's the deaf one. Uh, he has a really interesting career. Like just biz- like, I don't, it's not bizarre, but he, he was obviously Willy Wonka in 71. I mean, he was like an icon. Oh yeah. Willy Wonka. I mean, holy shit. I mean, he was, he, he was like Santa Claus level iconery, you know, <laughs> he was the Santa Claus of candy. I mean, Willy Wonka. And he was just amazing in that. And he's just like 71, like, holy shit. And he was, uh, he had done a couple of movies with uh, Mel Brooks. He kind of got associated with Mel Brooks. And in the 70s and 80s, that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. Uh, with Young Frankenstein or Frankenstein or whatever. Uh, that came out in 74. And in the same year, I guess, Blazing Saddles came out. So... You know, Gene Wilder has this like reputation of a you know like kind of a comedic genius. Um, then he does Hanky Panky in '82. It's a movie where he did with uh, Gilda Radner, who was yep. his wife, very famous comedian in her own right. Uh, the Woman in Red in '84, which is a movie that I have fond memories of watching a lot on cable. Uh, and Haunted Honeymoon. Haunted in Honeymoon. Yeah, he uh, he he really had a. a I, I don't know how it's just coincidence, I guess, but like he was in a couple of black and white movies like that. Wasn't that in black and white haunted honeymoon? Wasn't it shot to be like, in I black think, and white? I think it might've been. Yeah. Cause I think it was another, in a similar vein as like uh young Frankenstein was yes. supposed to be like an old timey kind of uh, right. horror. Like they were in a, yeah, it was like a, a, tr- a troop that, right. Right, and that's they just were performing a play on the radio. Well, because I mean, that was the thing about Gene Wilder. He was one of those. I mean, especially getting mixed up with Mel Brooks, it's like you got this. You got this repertoire where you're working with Richard Pryor, and then yeah. you know you're you're. I mean, he was just kind of in the mix with all of the big names in the '70s and '80s, do, making these movies. And I was like, you yeah. know, and then you hook up with Gilda, and you know she's the queen of you know this first iteration of Saturday Night Live. So you got all these up and comers. Right. So it's like. Everywhere you look, you know, in this day and age, we look back as like these guys are the icons. It's like he, they were, they were all just kind of in this. We're the this up and coming group of you know comedy legends. Yes, that's right. And uh, so he he was in so Haunted Honeymoon. I mean, really, like not a, not a lot of bad movies in the in the bunch. Uh, then after see no evil hear no evil he really just didn't do anything else after that he did another you and then that was kind of like richard Pryor. like the two of them agreed like we're done at that point yeah um and you know in in another you i don't think i actually talked about the point i was trying to make about richard Pryor and his his appearance oh i guess i i guess i made my point on that um but let's see so yeah they they both kind of simultaneously ended their career and they were really, really hurt from again too much. Like I know Gene Wilder had a sitcom, uh, on one of the major networks at some point in the mid nineties. Uh, I don't remember it in the slightest. I don't know what network it aired on. I don't remember like if, if it lasted as if it has a season's worth of credits, like they maybe aired five episodes or something. Cause I mean, I just simply don't have any yeah. recollection of this show. And Gene Wilder was like such a huge, 
part of, you know, my childhood in movies, like I would have at least tried to make what, you know, make an appointment to see a few of those shows. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, let me check this out. How do I do that? Yeah. So, um, but the movie all, I mean, the, but they're, they're it. They're the main parts of the movie. Like they're really spend like 85% of the time together on screen. You don't, you don't bring these two guys together unless you plan to have them on screen at the same time. Yeah. Like it wouldn't make sense to bring them into a heist movie and have them go separately making two stories that intersect, but they never actually show each other on screen. Like you wouldn't do that. You'd be shooting yourself in the foot. You'd be wasting your you talent. Would, you would be, you would be. Uh, but the movie also stars Kevin Spacey. Uh, he plays Kurgo, I think is the character's name. A very young Kevin Spacey. Very young Kevin Spacey. Um, I mean, what do you what do you say about this guy? I mean, he he really didn't come into his own until like probably the mid to late nineties. Yeah. So you know he 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 was in this, and he he has this weird sort of. Um, new money uh, or, or like old money, like kind of snooty upper class uh, or he's just, maybe he's just playing British. Is he just playing the British evil, evil British guy? He's just like, card. Hey, uh, here's what I'll do. I'll just be uh, weird. Cause he's not from the really. UK at all. Right. I don't believe so. <laughs> I don't believe so either. It's like, what, why did he do that? Why did he make that choice? Hopefully he never. He, hopefully he never went back to that. Uh, that was hopefully all he did. Uh, but it also stars Joan Severance, who, you know, she's plays Eve. Uh, she's. I mean, she's an important part of the movie, but I really don't care about her at the same time. <laughs> she was in Bird on a Wire. She's there 90. to look pretty. Yeah, she's just kind of there to look pretty. Now, I will give her credit for co-starring in No Holds Barred, the excellent 1989 yes. wrestling film starring the Hulkster. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, I was looking at her credits. I'm like, there's some, like, erotic 90s vibe going on. That was, that was kind resume. of like, that was kind of why she was around <laughs> in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But she, I mean, she did it well. I'll give her credit for I it. I recognize like, those breasts. Not so much her face. Uh, but, yeah, like, movies like Illicit Behavior and... Uh, Red Shoe Diaries and Criminal Passion. <laughs> those were, those were those would all be great titles <laughs> if you were to do another episode of uh, what was it called? You and White Machete did erotic thrillers. Uh, erotic films. Yeah, I was going to mention the episode with White Machete. Like we would be playing the game of is it real or not? <laughs> real or not? is this a, is this an erotic thriller or not? Yeah, because <laughs> they are so just interchangeable the words they use. I mean, they just use like they pull from a word of a pool of 50 or so vaguely dirty sounding yeah. phrases or words. I mean, how else do you pick illicit behavior? Yeah. It's like <laughs> illicit behavior. What? Were how you does that ever become the tags name of off movie? mattresses? <laughs> I don't think that's what you were getting up to. Was it? Those are like the leftover words of a ransom note. Yeah. It's like, Oh, these are the <laughs> letters just, they cut out that they didn't use. Well, I wrote my ransom note for the vice president's son. Now I'm going to get to work on naming erotic thrillers. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Oh, we got illicit behavior, dangerous entanglement. <laughs> yes. Uh, suspicious, uh, Crevices? I don't know. I, I <laughs> bodies of evidence. Uh, bodies of evidence. A, Real. A two. I, I know that one. See, that's what that's how we do it on the Cinemasters. You toss in 
Hey, that's a real one. I know that one. Hey, but she really, she really got back on track with Black Scorpion in '95. Yeah, Black Scorpion. That's two. where she shot. She really <laughs> shined in as that character. Her, as her like star went from like it's just like a V shape, like, like really high to start plummeting down to the bottom and then rising like the phoenix all the way back up. Sure, we knew Joan Severance from a few of her appearances in a handful of films. But once she yeah. finally found that iconic role as the Black Scorpion, <laughs> oh my goodness, it was like uh, it was it was as if Spielberg had found his muse. Yeah, yeah. If Spielberg directed Black Scorpion, I can which see he that. didn't. I can see that. No, not that we know of. I mean, it could have. It could have been a pseudonym. Could have. Yeah, been like, I want to do this Black Scorpion name. project, but I can't. People can't know it's me, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I just desperately want to work with Joan Severance, and this is the piece de resistance. <laughs> oh shit! You know who did Black Scorpion too? Uh, that would be Mr. James Cameron. No, <laughs> it's got to be Cameron, dude. He's, James he always, Cameron. He always he always like slurps up the sloppy seconds. Was there a robot from the future that came from under the depths of the ocean? Well, we got a killer alien species that's gonna taken over a, yeah. a, f- a fake planet of giant Smurfs. Can we make 45 <laughs> movies out of it? Can we do that? How many sequels can we order at one time? That feels like a lot. No, yeah. you'd be surprised. <laughs> fake Smurfs. Oh my God. I want somebody to do that with the deep fake so bad. Oh, man. just make all of the Navi Smurfs. Just make them Smurfs. I'm like, la, 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 la. Um, what a you beautiful mind, you. Okay, that's me. And uh, so, the really, really, technically, the last person I'm going to highlight here is all Alan North, who plays Braddock. And, you know, he he just is one of those guys that has, like, a long career of playing authority figures, I guess. He's you know, one like, of those guys that was in this movie. Yes. <laughs> he was very Jack Lemony in this role. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I just wanted to see, like, um, uh, Walter Matthau as, yeah. his, as his partner. So bad. Instead, you got that dude in the members-only jacket yeah. who was like, I guess I'm a cop today, whatever. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I was fixing refrigerators last week. Sure, but no, I'll be a cop, whatever. Alan North was in Highlander, Lean on Me, Glory. But I found it, and this kind of harkens back to his roots from when he was on the uh, Police Squad show. Apparently he had a role in that. You could see like he, he had like a nice long career, uh, playing a, some sort of, you know, straight, playing it straight, law official type person. And then to come in and just do this goofball. Yeah, this was like, hey, you know how you played a cop 4,000 times? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do know that. We need you to do that again, except this cop doesn't know anything about laws or right. being a cop or right. decorum as a police officer. Yeah. Or just being a person. He just doesn't know when to not be able to shoot the perp. Like that's he's just very fuzzy on the on the, the ins and outs of that. How think that ab- works. Think about a police officer who's in charge uh, of a respectable number of other police officers and just 
just wields that resource like a child playing in the front yard. Mm-hmm. Just however you see fit. The last character is, uh, or the last actor who really gets much of anything to do is Kirsten Childs, who plays Wally's sister Adele. And her, her like IMDb credits are really wild. Like she, she was in this thing, which was a hit. It was a hit. She did not have another acting credit on IMDb until, uh, what was it like 2011? She was in a movie where she played herself. <laughs> Just taking a little break. Just taking a little break, <laughs> figuring out who she is. Studying so, for that role. Nineteen eighty nine. My pretty good hit. And then what? Uh, twenty. 22 years, years later. Yeah, later. <laughs> she just resurfaces. And she just gets to play herself. <laughs> Guys, I've been researching this role for 22 years. Are you ready? <laughs> sit sit down. I'm going to play myself. myself. <laughs> oh, mind blown. Nobody, right, right? Not, <laughs> yeah. Who would now, not I watch a movie read, about I refuse me? to believe that this person could not show up in this high profile of a movie out of the clear blue fuck. But she was a stage actor, apparently, uh, a pretty accomplished stage actor in the seventies and eighties. And she had she was on she was on uh, I, with I don't know if it was like off Broadway or Broadway or how that works, but she was in Chicago. I've heard of that play. I'm cultured and stuff. She was in the play <laughs> Chicago. It yes. was just in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, <laughs> it was a local production of Chicago in Milwaukee. Yeah, so really, I mean, there, there's not too much to... They, it's not like they give any of the characters a ton of story or backstory. No, they're you get just a there. Couple of, you get a few nuggets at points of the movie where the action stops for a minute, and they kind of talk to one another. Like, uh, we, we learn that... Um, so the, these are both basically middle-aged men at this point. Yes. Safe to safe to consider their middle age, probably even pushing more towards the other could, way. Could be a little beyond that prime. Yeah, could be a little beyond. They're not prime middle aged. No. Um, and so we we know that. So the 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 Gene Wilder character Dave, he owns or at least operates in some sort of management capacity. I got the feeling he was the owner. Uh, of a of a newspaper stand in a lobby of uh, a, a hotel in New York, so you know uh, we know that, but we also know that he was an actor. Yes, and we know that he got scarlet fever and lost his hearing gradually. Uh, we also learned that he was married, right? Yes, he had an ex wife, and she left him at the same time that he went completely deaf. <laughs> Which I thought Which was a was nice really touch. Cool of her. <laughs> she just fucking ups and leaves. Like, hey, I'm telling uh, you, like, Dave, if you can I'm hear one here, decibel, so <laughs> if you can't hear me nagging, I'm out of here. Dave, <laughs> what I want you to do is raise your left hand if you don't want me to leave you. <laughs> just raise that left hand, Dave. I know you're sitting <laughs> facing the television and yeah. you cannot see me or read my lips, but. 
Just raise that left hand up, and I will not. Just waiting for that sign. I just I won't <laughs> leave you to live a life alone as a deaf person. And so, like she got the she she got the message, message received. Yep. she was out out she, she, five thousand. Time for her to move on to greener pastures. Right. So you know he has reason to be a little bitter, uh, but he did you know he did pick himself up, dusted himself off from the the tragedy of his failed marriage and uh, dead career as an actor, <laughs> his lifelong dream of being an actor. Yes. Crushed, taken from him. Uh, so he has every right to be a little bit better, but he's pretty, seems to be a pretty nice guy. Yeah. As you know, in the way of people that have experienced probably uh, some of the most earth shattering tragedies in their life of losing their uh, spouse and their hearing and their dream job, yeah. And oh, that's a triple gut punch right there. Then having to figure it's like, oh, what should I do to have money so I don't die? I'll sell mints and newspapers to people <laughs> walking in and out of this building. That's right. Antacids. Yep. All the goodies. Who needs who needs some film? Anybody <laughs> need a some twenty four exposure? Who Kodak? wants this overpriced T shirt that says Born to be bad. Hey, here's a keychain. It's eighty nine dollars. <laughs> so I yeah, need that, some that's, food. I mean, unless I'm wrong, that's basically all we know about him. Yeah. Um, now Wally, on the other hand, is we we find out that he was uh, in a, a car accident. That's how he lost his sight. Yes. I don't. I I I thought upon before watching it that he'd said that he lost his sight as a child, but then. After rewatching it, I don't think he actually specifies that. So, like, we don't know when he became blind. If unless I'm wrong, tell me if I'm wrong. You, I, you're the I one who knows things. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that it was when he was. I don't think he specifies. And it's yeah, it's so one it, of those like he does. It could have been five years ago for all he we know. doesn't. He. I mean, like he doesn't give off this vibe of like I've been doing this long enough that I know my way around stuff. Yeah, it seems right. like hey, I'm relatively new at being blind. Because I'm yeah, not and good I'm in at denial it. and stuff. You know, like he's the guy who leads another blind guy, and one of the most ir- wildly irresponsible acts of a person, like human being. Yeah, like I know I can't see, but I'm going to take the arm of another blind soul and walk them across a busy New York intersection. As his sister watches, like they're filming a Mentos commercial. <laughs> she really did. You like, too. She- <laughs> <laughs> really. You're just going to watch as this happens? Like, yeah, you're, they're both going to die. Yeah, he'll, I doubt he'll I have the inners. Yeah, they're both for sure dead. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he doesn't, I don't guess, like, he, he, he kind of bitterly says that he's gotten over it and he's accepted it, but I don't feel like he has. No. Because <laughs> it's just the, like the drop of a hat, he's ready to fight anybody. Anyone. <laughs> literally anyone. <laughs> he's literally fighting every character I will Not fight Richard. random people on the street <laughs> for verbally assaulting other people, and I mistake it for a verbal assault on myself. Right, right. which is kind of how the movie starts. Uh, funny, funny enough, there's swear words and middle fingers and, you know. It's great hila- shtick. It hilarious is great. misunderstandings involving two handicapped people. <laughs> Hey, here's what we should that's do. That's the meat and potatoes of this Let's movie. Let's take one handicapped person <laughs> and we'll exploit their handicap. 
in a hilarious fashion as we pit it against another <laughs> handicap person with <laughs> right. like the inverse handicap. Let's yes. do that. Yes. And I, what I really appreciate about that is like we joke around about that with like the 2020, 2021 kind of sense of humor. Like, oh my goodness, no, you can't. But it's like right. the, the people that watched this movie, because there was, I mean, knowing how sensitive both Gene Wilder and um, Richard Pryor were to um, not wanting to be overtly offensive to those those people. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to do right. this movie if it's just going to be offensive to these people. It's like, okay. If they can well, laugh they, at they this. Well, they both did a lot to try to tear down, like, barriers. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, as corny as it sounds, you know, like, you got this really hilarious white guy. Let's put him with a really hilarious black guy. Yeah. And, and let him, like, have genuine a genuine relationship, not based on, you know, m- magical Negro qualities that, like, what yeah. is it that... Well, who is it that has that? Is it Spike Lee, right? Yes. Or he, he basically... You the, the the idea of the magical Negro with uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance maybe is the movie he was referencing. I don't know. It's a great movie, but too. like a black man just couldn't be like a normal person. <laughs> they had to be Yoda, basically. Well, and because I like the because it was I mean that was like you know when I talk to people about Blazing Saddles like they wouldn't I mean you you could not get somebody to pay you to make Blazing Saddles today. No, no one would finance not. it. Uh, everybody, yeah. you know the people. Dave Chappelle would be the one crazy he, enough to do it. Though. He would be. He would be the one guy. If you could get it done, it would be Dave Chappelle. He and, would play the sheriff in a heartbeat. If you could get like, um, uh, if I tell you, I tell you what would be great is if you got Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr to remake. Oh Amazing Saddles. That would be. I mean, that movie would make a billion dollars. The intensity of that movie would never be oh, matched. It would be so incredible, but like. Yeah. Because because so many people just look at the surface and they don't understand the comedy, the whole point of Blazing Saddles is not to exploit the you know the the way people treated black people. It was to take that whole that that whole idea and turn it on its side and exploit it for the fact that it was so incredibly misguided. So in the yeah. same way, it's like these guys are taking. Hey, you know how people like to treat blind people and deaf people like their children that don't that can't do anything because oh my goodness right. you're blind certainly right. you can't navigate normal life as an adult oh you're right. deaf oh you need you must need help it's like no i it's yeah life is more difficult but i'm still a capable person i right. might need you know i might need to augment the way i'm that, not half a human being exactly. suddenly <laughs> and I, I think that's what i was like that's what i like about you know, when these guys would take on roles like this, it wasn't just like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. We're going to make fun of deaf people and blind. It's like, no, right. we're going to take it and we're going to champion these people by making them the heroes of this movie. And Absolutely. saying, yeah, this is what they can do. They could, you know, these two guys, these two unlikely heroes are going to, you know, take out the bad guys and, you know, save the day. Right. Yeah. They maybe, maybe one guy's deaf and the other guy's blind, but they're both quick with wit. Yeah. Okay, so what do we have here? So yeah, so the movie just kind of begins where you meet the characters. Um, you like, I, I really am worried about Wally and his rage. <laughs> like, yeah. He just walks around, just, just ready bah, to just take ready off his jacket point. and throw fists. <laughs> Anything. But no, I. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. It's just I like watching these guys. It's like Pryor and Wilder have this like amazing knack for physical comedy, like throughout their careers. And you know, you you get a sense of that in that early bar fighting scene, where you know these guys are supposed to have just met yesterday, yeah, or maybe earlier. I think that, that's a afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now suddenly they're in like sync in this fight. You know, like. Like okay, you're you're deaf, I'm blind. We gotta help each other out, and we kind of become like fast partners. And you know, like it, you you see that in the scene where, uh, you know, Wally's excited to see his friend Dave. He's invited him out for a drink. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, if if you are blind, uh, you you're not gonna hear what people are saying behind your back. And he yeah. he just like steps on this guy's jacket, who be- immediately becomes enraged and becomes like. Captain Douchebag. The dad uh, from Pete and Pete. <laughs> oh my God. Is that who that was? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but, you know, he, he says like one word and like Richard Pryor is like ready to fight. And, you know, like he's he's just kind of holding him and circling, moving around in a circle and like giving off like times of day for like a proximity of the guy to, so he can punch him. It's all you, you, you really got to enjoy there early physical comedy along with their chemistry like you get you don't have to wait long in the movie to instantly get into that he he reminds me like gene wilder holding richard Pryor and wielding him like some sort of weapon he reminded me of like those old um boxing nun uh toys where you would put it on your fingers and like oh yeah go back and forth yeah 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 and they're they're sort of inverted at the elbow or something and the the visual of that is is like okay 10 (laughs) o'clock just throw it on yeah right yeah you you don't get any sort of a sense that wally was a fighter no a boxer of any kind he didn't look it but he certainly threw up his fists like he was he was all right i'm just gonna he's not a brawler he had there was some technique to that 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 stance and I, I think I think one of the things that I really like w- when you when you get into I mean because it's, it's not it's not about breaking down the movie but it's one of those things that's just some of those things when you're watching this and you're doing it with a less than casual eye like when you're watching it for a purpose like this where we're talking about it it's when I was like I, I, I remember because I, I rewatched it a second time and I was like yeah how did he get to this bar and who are these ladies like it's just like yeah. <laughs> Just this one well, scene. Him, yeah. He is such a ladies man. And we I mean, by the way, we learned that he's kind of like this broke, you know Yeah, he's got no money. Gambling problem. You know, yeah. He's b- betting on horses named Centipede to win. <laughs> and it's like and we had we had to have that because we have his bookie like, okay, we well, we gotta show that he's a degenerate gambler because yeah. the bookie is the guy. Oh, they tie that so loose. Like that thread is so Oh, loose. it is worn bare. <laughs> because like, right. Oh, so yeah. Wally Wally we established Wally's broke because of the gambling problem. This is your last fifty dollars. Right. And so you're just gonna let him throw it like, well, you know, <laughs> he is who he is. It's like That's a you drove him that? there. <laughs> you, did. you didn't you, you have gave. to drive him to the oh he asked her to hand him the 50 dollars <laughs> it was like it, it was like money that she was holding for him like it wasn't well really what am i money. gonna do <laughs> like, what not kind of give it to him what kind of prick asked to borrow 50 dollars at the bet window <laughs> yeah hey can i get 50 bucks <laughs> you didn't even 50? have a plan for money 
I'll, I'll spot you a 10, but 50? In 1985 dollars? That's like, Holy what do you know Lord, about centipede? $50. <laughs> Let me take a look at this pony before we just start throwing down bets here, man. Like, what is your inside tip on this one? That horse is blind. Uh, that horse now has it three makes legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So tying that together, Wally needs money. He gets he applies for the position that was in the paper for just you know associate, I guess. Uh, Richard Pryor, they meet, and he gives him a job. And then the next day, so you got uh, we got to talk about the insaneness of the plot of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that Kevin Spacey was in, and I gave him third billing. You know, earned. He's in it pretty. He's in a lot of it. Um, but you're like, so when is Kevin Spacey come going to be in this? When are we going to talk about Joan Severance? You, you promised. When's the Black Scorpion showing up? <laughs> yeah. So this bookie. So first of all, we we know for a fact that Wally owes the bookie money. Yes. But the bookie apparently is. He's he's got a hold of this. He's possessing this rare coin as the MacGuffin that they kind of talk about. Yeah. It turns out he, later it becomes really weird. Like another the blind villain, the guy behind the the, the black shroud, <laughs> the guy who's just talking in a very Doctor Evil. Like made me think that maybe Mike Myers didn't rip off Dana Carvey or what was the other way around because it was a Lauren Michaels impersonation. Yeah. I think they saw this movie. Like, yeah, and, that's a good And Mike film. Myers saw that movie and he was like, that's my Dr. fucking evil. That's the guy right there. But imagine my sh- my shock that that wasn't played by uh, the fucking man, you know? <laughs> Lauren, Lauren. Yeah. You'd think it was him. Well, cause, anyhow. Because, I mean, like, that's, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces there that, like, it's when I was like, okay. We can't question any of this or the whole thing unravels immediately. Like, oh, they have to instantly, you, you have to constantly be moving because you can't ever stop and take yeah. stock of what's happening. It's like, wait, because, what, what's going on? So, there? all right, so this bookie who's who's carrying around with him in this, like, customized suitcase that conceals a coin. Yeah. Uh, he's a bookie that just happens to be in the neighborhood of Wally's, his, the guy he, he, he makes bets through. Um, he finds out in a day where he works somehow. Yeah, I heard. Because uh, a, a blind guy is here. not the most social dude on the block. You know, like he's not talking to probably everybody because he's not even sure who's there. He's blind. He's a blind guy. So I don't know how word traveled so fast that his bookie <laughs> knows that he's there and he's like, I'm looking for Wally Carew. And, you know, he's, he's like, I owe him some money. And I was like, what? This is so weird and flimsy. Like, why? Why? It, so he's, but he's being tailed. He's being followed by Kevin Spacey and Joan Severance's characters. Like, they've been supposedly f- a hot footing it trying to catch up with this guy. And he has, he just ducks in this hotel. And by chance, it happens to be a guy that he takes bets for. Like, he just whips, he concocts yeah. this story. You're just kind of <laughs> like, wait, so how did he get a hold of this? coin to yeah, begin exactly. with 
I want to see that part of the movie. And then, and then even like when you get uh, not to skip too far, but like uh, you're referencing the end, you're like, oh yes, it was a superconductor smuggled out of DC. Right. It's like, did this guy <laughs> smuggle it out of DC? I don't know. What? How did this guy come into contact with this? And like, I was really unclear on the superconductor, as you called it. Like, was <sighs> it? Some sort of superconductor? Was it just materials of a superconductor that are so rare and ex- valuable? <laughs> like, I simply I don't told you it was a coin because <laughs> it's a very sciencey thing that you probably wouldn't <laughs> understand. Because Kevin Spacey's set to double cross him and he gives him the speech. <laughs> this fucking vi- Bond villain speech. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Spacey. You wouldn't understand science. <laughs> This came from Washington, D.C. The details of my origin are quite inconsequential, I assure you. Um, I hired a guato from Ace Ventura (laughs) to carry this coin in a special briefcase made in Switzerland. (laughs) What is going on here? Oh, those two movies have to be linked together in a universe. Somehow. (sighs) Somehow. Um... But yeah, so he just drops, he, he's panicked, he drops off the coin in a change box, and then while, so to do this so that nobody sees, like, he gets Gene Wilder to turn around and read off some, like, ingredients to something, and, uh, Die gel. so, yeah, so they, so, so the Eve character catches up with him, and then just jams a gun into his chest, asks for the asset or the whatever it is, and uh, he he and like she just fucking shoots and kills him right there in the lobby. Yeah, it's like uh, and nobody but the de- or the blind guy hears a thing in a broad daylight. This supposedly like busy New York City street. <laughs> this that's a hotel. That's 1989 in New York. <laughs> Murders happen and no one cares. That's true. This, this is all before, um, before you know, Giuliani, Giuliani shows up, right? Cleans up the streets. <laughs> hey, 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 guys. Before Stop he all became the murdering. a psychopath and ghoulish We're done director. murdering people in cold blood on the streets <laughs> and no one doing anything about it. I will <sighs> say the response time from the police was pretty impressive because it was like it was. eight seconds later. It was. What? A it guy was, was from the amount no of time it? it took for Gene Wilder to go around the counter. That's how long it took. Here, let me go around the counter. Hey, there's a gun sitting up. Let me hold this gun up. Can you? S- oh, you're blind. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, it's all. It's hilarious misunderstandings. It's all it is. That should have been the name of the movie. Hilarious misunderstandings. Well, because it, it was. It was a pretty. I mean, like when you th- when you're looking at this, like. Well, clearly he probably has this coin in this briefcase because where else would he have put it? I don't know. Anywhere else? Yeah. It was like you murdered him and took his briefcase and you're like, yeah, I'm betting on this pretty hard. So the dude's dead. Wally and Dave are just sort of at the scene as it happens and the police barge in like like they'd had 20 cups of coffee right before this yeah! You would have gotten out! Get your fucking hands up! Get to the chopper! Yeah, right. Full Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. in this thing. Uh, so, like, yeah, they get they get picked up for this. Um, I don't know, somehow, like, the cops just decided these were their guys. Yeah, these two you guys know? clearly committed this crime. Clearly, clearly. They just, they were there. 
what you know, one guy was holding a gun. I'll give him that. <laughs> so they get dragged downtown. Um, I, I just really don't understand. Well, for I, I forgot to mention the fact that as the woman who shot the guy and walked out like Gene Wilder's character just gets like a like, glimpse of her legs, like her calves and down really. And I'm just really good with remembers calves. her. Yeah. <laughs> Those calves. He, that he just, he's never seen legs that beautiful. It's, it's just stunning legs. Apparently they were nice. I'm not going to say they weren't nice, but so like, like he, he just, that's all he sees. And then Richard Pryor, as she walks through the door, he gets like a whiff of her, you know, fancy pants uh, perfume. Shalimar. Shalimar. Yeah. <laughs> so they get picked up, they go down and they're, you know, they're doing, but like, I, I, I can't get over that. Like nobody heard a gunshot. Like that just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, the police interrogation scene this is where we meet Braddock, who who just comes in hot, like ready to fight. Yeah, I want to shoot him right now. Right. <laughs> he he's just doing his whole crumudgeony police detective thing, and he's he's trying to play it really funny. Like you can definitely tell, like he's thinking, "This is my big break. I want to I want to break free of all of these." cop roles, these serious cop roles or movies where I play a judge or a mayor. Like I just don't want it anymore. I want to be in comedy. I want to be funny. I want it where it's at. I want that Seinfeld money. Yeah. And uh even though Seinfeld didn't have a show at the time, I guess. It was right around that time. It was right around that time. Yeah. The pilot season I guess was right around then. Yeah. So. But it wasn't huge. You wouldn't know Seinfeld money yet. But you know, you, you get a lot of improvisation comedy here. This is why you pay, similar to like a Seth Rogen and James Franco, like you pay them money and get them in a scenario where they can just improv and be themselves and be yeah. funny. So, you know, like they're they're just doing all this improv- improvisation with each other. Uh, the cops, you know, just whatever. Like, so he, he gets frustrated and just decides, he's like, fuck it, these are our guys. You know, like they barely listen to their story. A very believable story, right? I mean, mostly it's one of those things like if you were a police officer, like, all right, let's see here. So we're going to have to. I mean, the cops, did they question anybody around the vicinity who saw anything? They didn't even question their suspects. They were just like, hey, you guys are here. And (laughs) let's see, you're blind and you're deaf. That probably won't be problematic when this goes to court. (laughs) This should be an open and shut case. (laughs) We're going to nail you to the wall because clearly everyone will understand. This is a this is a W for the good guys, right? Yeah, a blind guy who was outside at the time of the shooting, and a deaf guy who had his back face to everything. Who 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 has own who owns the shop? He's not just some like pedestrians happening by a location. He owns the shop. Yeah, and there's, there's I, I believe he owns the shop. There was a lot or of motive least, for him yeah. to shoot a stranger with a gun <laughs> right. that he didn't own. Right, exactly. It all adds up. Yeah, it's to- open shut, law and order. I mean, standard case kind of stuff. But there, there are just scenes in in the interrogation uh, part of the movie like that feel a bit forced. Like th- this is this should be funny. Like it should be funny if we have a sweet tiny lady in the most ridiculous 80s 
cheek glasses sitting on her face. Oh, yeah. looks like two microscopes glued to her eyeballs. Just huge. Like this, and she's like this tiny little cop who's trying to get the mugshot taken. And, you know, like she's, you know, she's yelling fuck and acting all frustrated. And it's cute and everything. But I just kept thinking, like, Holly Hunter did this better. Yeah. <laughs> she was a much more hilarious tiny cop. You're trying way too hard with those glasses, movie. And even like the, I I did appreciate the way that uh, Gene Wilder really sold the mens rea. Oh, mens! How did we even? Did they take blood? Yeah, like he really sold that. He just (laughs) it rocked him to his core. What (laughs) mens rea? How did we? The cops dragging him out on the on his heels, basically. I, I did enjoy that, and but it's so belabored to get to the joke. Like yeah. the guy has to walk in and go, "They have the mens rea," and then he has to. Then he turns his back and like for the audience who are, who are all stupid like me and have need to let be me explain what mens rea. <laughs> yeah, he's like, really, it's just you know means they have motive. Like I don't know why I didn't just say it's like motive. we have enough evidence that we can <laughs> reasonably. Convince. I was like, what evidence? <laughs> Well, they're, they're, the cause of mens rea was, <laughs> I could see how Gene Wilder would, would hear that. Even like, because he, he kind of fails at lip reading a lot yes. through the movie. He miss lip reads a little bit, kind of like in that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's dating the deaf woman. Oh, and yes. George, George is trying to get information from Jerry. He's borrowing Jerry's girlfriend because she can read lips really well, but Kramer. Marley is, Matlin. Yeah. But Kramer also can sign, like so they're like gonna talk to one another, and like Kramer just he's just a, I mean like, if you need a superpower handy for the episode, Kramer's probably can, he's you, got he it. can play a convincing pull it out of his bag of tricks, yeah. <laughs> so he's signing away, but they're like those slight misinterpretations of the lip. We'll talk about some more of those later, or maybe we won't. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> we might not. This might be it. That was the last time we, <laughs> we talked might about just stop the episode. Well, because that was one of one of the things. Like in rewatching the scene, especially with the, when the bookie's there, it's like this guy's mouth is kind of already, you know, kind of cocked to the side, and he, yeah. He, and I was like, I can't understand what he's saying, and I can hear him. Right? How are you right. reading his lips? Yeah, I mean, people sometimes people don't make it easy for you to read lips. Yeah, and he's not. Now, even Richard Pryor, who has like kind of a weird, like he he kind he's one of those talkers where his lips are in his mouth are kind of like to his side of his face sometimes. Yeah, he's like he he uses like the mouth so expressively, like you know he's not able to mouth like lip read very well with yeah. with all that action going on. Damn, lip reading is a constant foil. Yeah, and again, he just. Eight years ago is when he went fully deaf. So yep. he's still kind of new to it. Um, so, but here, here's the part that drives me wild. Like all throughout, they're they're trying to like give their testimony to the events to the best of their knowledge. I mean, again, they just happened upon this body. They didn't hear us see shit. Really, <laughs> just happened to them in the lobby, and the cops were just there so instantaneously on spot that they just you know, well, you're you're there. Clearly we were in the, the neighborhood. Murders. There was a murder six doors <laughs> over, so we just—it was what we like to call a twofer. I mean, it's like they were like catching out fucking Capone. They oh, were they there. were there. I mean, like it was like, oh, who called this in? 
Elliot Ness flying like, through the I mean, doors. Like no one in the building even realizes they think this man is taking a nap in the middle of the lobby <laughs> and the police are here to arrest the people that murdered this guy. Yeah. I didn't even know he was dead. So Wally and Dave decide to escape because the killers pose as lawyers because they, you know, they, they believe they have the, the coin or whatever. So they're going to try and bail him out of jail. And that's when, you know, Gene Wilder notices the legs and Richard Pryor smells the Charlemagne. And they were like, oh, those aren't our lawyers. Those are the people that are probably those are the here killers. to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> so they escape. They, they, they pull off a daring plan, which, you know, I, that, that, that's, that felt right. That escape tracked for me. That was a great, that was a great escape because we're like, hey, hey, let's get in with these Iran protesters. <laughs> I mean, think about all this. I mean, they, but they came up with that plan in a matter of seconds. They were right there. For, like from the beginning of the walk down the hall to the point where there's a water fountain. I mean, like they, they, they came up with that plan. Beautiful. Brilliant. Foolproof. Had it been that's what happens when you lose a sense, you get a heightened sense of other things, you know, like plan formulating, escaping a situation. Like you're those, that's a heightened sense. Fortunately, when they needed to thwart the two cops who were arresting them, the two cops who were arresting them were <laughs> yeah. horrible, horrible, horrible police officers. They sure were. One of which was like, oh my gosh, I just want to go back to selling furniture. I don't even want to be a cop anymore. And the other guy's well, like, I don't want to shoot people. Yeah. You guys are the and worst. And I was cops. also like very like confused by, you know, like at one point the, the other guy seems like real empathetic to the our, yeah, our heroes. Like, oh, these guys probably but then it, it, another moment a moment later he's in the elevator like literally taunting these guys for going to prison. <laughs> yeah. These guys <laughs> think about these guys in prison. <laughs> That's gonna be wild, huh? Yeah, we did he's our job. Somebody's girlfriend, am I right? I'm like, we're, who does that? We're great cops. Look at this. So they escape these two guys pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Get get out into the street where the action portion of the movie, I guess, really kind of kicks in. Yeah. And and for me, the action parts are like all really boring. You know, like it it's more entertaining to talk about how how cheesy it is than anything. Um so like they escape in like a police car basically. Um Wally the blind guy gets in the driver's seat obviously he's gonna drive them out of there yes with, with johnny on the spot directions on how to navigate again busy new york city alleyways <laughs> with pedestrians walking everywhere that's just gonna be get now what could go wrong then you got you got uh braddock and his partner and they're you know like they're you know, it's, it's a manhunt now at this point. It's like the fugitive. Ah, they, they got to find the, the police station. The dreaded ah. New York. Yeah. <laughs> the blinded deaf. Jesus Christ. Hide your kids. Um, anyway. Anyway. And the, and like, so like they're, just, they're all in this escape mode. And they're, so they're, there's the cop chasing the guy in the, the other cop car. And then you have Kevin Spacey driving around in that little car. Uh, but here... Here's one of the notes that I had to, um, I, I just kind of wrote down in my head, and I, I was just thinking, one of the things that bothers me more, like, I have movie pet peeves. I mean, everybody has pet peeves. Yes. But one of my big movie pet peeves is when you 
have like somebody driving in a car and you got that front view, which of course means you see through the back windshield. Yes. And when the action going on in the back windshield doesn't sync up with what the car is actually doing, with what the driver's movements are suggesting, (laughs) it makes me wild. I I hate it. I, I hate it so much. And this movie's like not bad in parts, but there th- this whole sequence has some of the worst actors pretending to drive <laughs> sequences. Like they're just so bad everywhere. Kevin Spacey is like in his little car and like he's he's like doing this like kind of nervous giddy up like movement yeah. in his car. And it's like this really awkward like looking side shot. And he's just like, oh, I gotta pee, I gotta pee, I gotta pee. Like, oh, I gotta catch the guy so I can kill him so I can go to the bathroom. I felt you know, like you 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 start watching like you said, like you're not watching so much with a cautious eye. Or you are watching with a cautious eye. You're paying attention to things. Yeah. In that moment, I just felt really sad for Kevin Spacey. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Kev, this one's this one's on the official record. <laughs> you made this I movie. Mean, you did. When, you're responsible for when this. he when he got in trouble recently for all the horrible shit he was accused of, uh, and like everyone was like so down on Kevin Spacey, they ought to just be reminded of this. Moment. They should be like, hey, uh, who wants to add insult to injury? We're here. Uh, we have a we have stock footage of Kevin Spacey in movies. Here he is uh, driving in see no evil, hear no evil. Look at this. What a piece of shit. Look at that. Is that even acting, people? Is that even <laughs> acting? Oh my and, gosh! And I think I think they even film his cyst side. Yeah, it's like for oh. the scene. It's one of those like, He's, okay, can we get a can can somebody give me like a paper clip and a coffee cup and we can just drain this <laughs> let's thing? Just drain it right. Here. Something, guys, come on! Can we not like? Can we not afford even like a a B tier dermatologist <laughs> to just show up for an afternoon? And do something with this because this or, is or or what they could do is just get like a prosthet like a prosthetic uh, movie prosthetic type person who does like horror yeah. effects. Can you make it look like get, his face get got some burned? prosthetic? <laughs> I wasn't gonna go quite there. Yeah, just make it look like, like his so face was really. You're burned. saying you're saying that the improvement would be burn victim. Lean into it. <laughs> Lean and there, apparently there's no makeup tricks. I was just gonna say maybe they make his face symmetrical and like put like another thing on his other cheek, and you're like, I guess he just has a weird cheekbone structure. Can you glue a marble to the other side of his face and cover it with makeup? <laughs> oh fuck Kevin's face! Yeah, I don't feel bad at all. Can you make him look like a a weird French Muppet? Can we do that? Yes. Is that a thing we could do? Killers. Deaf, blind. What is this like, a joke? <laughs> like, like, what? Are you, what are you doing, Kevin Spacey? Like, is there any way we could set the camera up to where it's not focused on this horrific <laughs> skin condition he has on this side of his? Like, just any any way we could film this so that people aren't like vomiting in theaters. Like, what is that on his face? Is that a? Is he growing a second face? What is happening? <laughs> that is really off putting. What is that? Is that real? Oh my gosh. Because it was, it was very much real. It was just an actual cyst on his face, and like, okay, guys. Yeah, there, there was no reason for them to make that choice. Yeah, like, like artistically. You're not. This is not the first movie you've ever made, dude. 
Like you have comp and I'm like, I know that Richie and Gene got a lot of the cash to make this movie, but like we had eighteen million dollars. Why was yeah. this not higher on the list of things to what? address? You know what I really want? I really just wish they would come out with like a shot factory edition or like a Snyder cut, like yeah. put a few million back into it and just fucking CG Christopher just, Plummer's face on that cyst. Exactly. <laughs> that, do that. It would be less distracting. Oh my gosh. It would be, I mean like, oh, and we're like, well, isn't that guy dead? Yeah, but this is so much better still. Oh it doesn't even matter. God. Why aren't people doing that? Yeah. Well, people take my ideas seriously. <laughs> Especially when you watch, you're like, what? Because you know, it just kind of, like, it was like, what is that? What's going on there? That looks weird. Why would they film this this way? I love those shots of Spacey driving so much. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's a, it is like, a is master class in acting. <laughs> it really is. It just takes it to the next level. <laughs> it really does. Anyway, so this, this chase sequence ends with uh wally driving him right into uh the river luckily there was a barge pushing garbage off to where else new jersey new jersey (laughs) snooch to the nooch new jersey which reminded me of like another like like kind of trope that i remember a lot of for some reason like new yorkers picking on people from new jersey <laughs> yeah like new jersey was literally just like yeah that's where we store our garbage for new york puts <laughs> I mean, all of exactly. its garbage <laughs> people from new york tease people who live in new jersey so hard it makes me think that new york has a little dick it really does yeah it's like yeah look at that place to live over there it's not here <laughs> what a pit what a piece of shit place to live that is why because like, it's over just, there yeah they're all, it's the on that side of the fucking river is the trash side. Yeah, over here where people are, you know, brutally murdered in the streets and no one cares or drugs and prostitution. It's just a horrible pit of a city. <laughs> just, you know, just. But uh, we're just, better oh. than New Jersey. But we're at least better than New Jersey. Like that place is just a cesspool. It's like, do you, are you listening to yourself? You know, I have an affinity for New Jersey and all residents, New Jersey. Yeah. I, it, it's the Garden State. It's a beautiful state. Like, why, why pick, why pick New York? <laughs> why are you starting shit all the time? New York. It's yeah, because don't they even... don't have the. New Jersey has the more interesting mob boss family, is what it yeah. is. Like, oh, hey, Anywho, New Jersey, where's your uh, Times Square? I don't know. I just remember like watching like Letterman, and like every night after night, there'd be like some sort of like. New Jersey joke. Yeah. And the crowd's like, ah, And it wouldn't even have to be like New a Jersey. good one. Like, so uh, I was driving past a sign that said New Jersey the other day and I farted. <laughs> New Jersey, so- what a fart town. <laughs> and the crowd just like, guys rolling and it's like choking. Fuck ah, New so Jersey, right. am I right? Yeah. It's like, what is, what? And what makes it even weirder is like guests of the Tonight or the Letterman show are like out of towners, man. They're like yeah. people. You know, they're, they're like from Des Moines, Iowa, and they're like, fuck New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey, well, that's a that's a horrible place, man. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine. It's like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, and you're shit New Jersey. Literally way the fuck away from here. Yeah, this is, you, I mean, like, 
I mean, you're not even a bordering state. You should shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, you're landlocked in like the worst place to live, and you're still trying to get on this action of shitting on New Jersey. Yeah, yeah it's not right. All right, it's not right. Bar- barge full it's of garbage. Right send God. it to Jersey. Hey, Joe Piscopo, <laughs> we got you a present. <laughs> Where do you it's live? It's a floating island of trash. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, but anyway. Um, so from there you get, oh, I, okay. So I wanted to take a moment to reflect on like, I really like Gene Wilder's kind of presence. He's, he's, he's like furiously mad with Wally for driving them into this garbage dump. And by the way, they had a fart joke in there. They and do. It was clever, cleverly placed. Gotta love it. And he's, you know, he's just really upset and he's like, his tone is just like calm and sarcastic. And he's like, I'll tell you exactly how I feel in just a minute or two. But and it, he kind of worked, his rage kind of works up. And I'm like, you know who he kind of reminded me of just a little bit? Is Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I can see that. Ryan Reynolds is very known for like this sort of, like his tongue is razor blades. Oh, yeah. But like the words... He he delivers it in a flowery way, and uh, and that's where I think where a lot of his comedy comes from. You know, like he's just really good at he's that. He's very expressive, and it's 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 because it's not just your standard fare. Yeah, his face isn't all screwed up when he's visibly when he's obviously angry. Yeah, you know, he's always in control, and like I I felt like man, like. Gene Wilder's just really like a less attractive, lesser successful like version of uh, Ryan Reynolds. It's yeah, not if fair, you gave Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds should have it all. If you gave him <laughs> just a curly afro and said go, oh, they would be indistinguishable from. A, yeah. they would. You couldn't tell them apart. You could have had. You could have had a father son comedy. If in fact, why isn't Ryan Reynolds playing the biopic of he Gene should be. Wilder? He that should would be, be discussing fantastic. that at the right now. That's a Hollywood insider input, right? That's that going to happen. should be happening. I'm calling it. <laughs> Is Joan Severance available for that? Probably. Probably. I'd imagine. Yeah, she's she's probably in between Scorpion movies <laughs> right uh, now. <laughs> we're making, we're on Black Scorpion 12, um, but that should be done. We're just filming it this afternoon. So, you know, more action. Uh, they get Adele in on the, in on the fun, who, you know, she's got that. That that cunning wit and charismatic, just I'm like her. It's just her presence just explodes off the screen. Everything about her. No, I, I I'm teasing, but like I mean, she actually isn't that bad in the movie. She's okay. She's kind of like what she reminds me of in the movie is if you had recorded all of her dialogue into a tape recorder and taped that tape recorder to the back of a cardboard cutout of her <laughs> and put it in the movie. <laughs> You would have it would be the same thing. You'd be like, "Oh, this yeah. must be her," because yeah, it's lifeless and and it and is. Just, she's I, really she her acting knowledge is just twenty years of watching sitcoms. <laughs> like that's her instincts. I watched all a lot of that. stuff re- getting ready for this one. Mm. That's why I should, that's why it took her twenty two years to realize. You know who I could really play? Me, <laughs> me. I could probably really nail that. It's one. been staring in my face all. Couple along. of decades. Couple of decades took me to really hone the craft, but uh, I feel like I'm ready for that role to play myself 
in a feature But I, I got I I have to mention Adele because she she steals the movie with this scene. So, you know, they they fool the cops again. They give them the slip in a in a hotel room, very clever. I I love uh, I love that scene. <laughs> I love that scene though cuz it has one of my favorite things that you got a lot from the 80s and still some yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, let's really assess the crime we have here. Right. A a piece of shit bookie gets shot. And I mean, clearly it's when I was like, okay, no one, no one actually cares about this, this person It's like, he's been shot, not a high profile case. Right. But it was like, oh, the two guys, they're on the run. You know what we should do? Use every police car we have. Oh, send 5,000 police cars to this shitty little motel. And I just, I love that because like, it's that whole scene where it's like, you have all of these cops and it's like, it's a blind guy and a deaf guy in a shitty motel. Right. <laughs> and you have 5,000 police officers here. Like, what is this the standoff? And then he goes and he shoots into the door and then kicks yes. it off the hinge. He's just the whole door just re- goes flying like boom. He's a real technician, this guy. Like, Alan North, what are you, like 74 years old? Yeah. And you just kicked this door clean off the hinges after you <laughs> shot into it. You didn't shoot after the lock. Sh- he shot in the relative vicinity of the lock. It's like I you think. shot next to the handle, not on the <laughs> lock side. You, you well, shot police the- officers are trained exactly where to shoot the door. If I to, shoot it to- here, it weakens the entire structure of the door. So when I kick it, yeah. it will go it, flying off the hinges from my 70-year-old it just like crumbles. Just, I mean, like I'm surprised it didn't fly into the room. If he had not shot it in just the right oh. way, he would have broken his old man leg trying to break that door down. It's like, all right, we got five thousand police officers here. Should we spend any time, really, you know, like looking over this room? Should we do any police work? Like, should we get fingerprints or should we? It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I looked That's in the dust. bathroom and the window right. was open. They left. The old, Clearly, yeah. they left. That's that was their escape route, but I do love I do love the part where they all like leave the room and then he gets down on the floor to inspect. Let me look under the, the bed. Maybe they're no, the that bed. that bed was three inches off the floor. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> let me tell you, from putting your face on that carpet, you have herpes now. <laughs> you definitely do. From that we, motel, I mean the, the kind we, of clientele. We saw the co- yeah, we got the people a nice was like, peak. okay, here's an old man. And here's a young lady and a young man. Like, what was going on in there? This feels weird. <laughs> I swear, officer, she's 18. It's like, okay, what is this? Right. Like, Perv Motel Central? Shut up. Like, what? <laughs> Why would you say that? Anyway, yeah, so, like, they, they do. They give him the slip. So, okay, but <laughs> go ahead. No, the, no, that was no, no. I feel just, like you have something else you really want to say. No, I, I love they just that that, that was it. 5,000 police officers. And they opened a window and tricked yep. all of them. And then it's like, all, all right. <laughs> because it, like. They didn't. You don't surround a vehicle. You put every vehicle you have in a line. Yeah. <laughs> don't get anybody in the back. No. Hey, guys, is there like a back parking lot area? Is there like a window that they could get out of like the back part of this room? Did we <laughs> right. did we find that out on the way over here? Did anyone yeah. call ahead to see? No. I was, no, no, no we forgot that part. Oh, they and they're on foot, right? Yeah. Wow, we couldn't catch up to them. Uh let's pack it up and we'll uh we'll head out. We'll see where they're gonna go next. They so really they really bit. That's all I'm gonna say. They yeah. really bit. And I think at this point so, too, like you really start like for me, especially going into this this third act, like this kind of the bridge into that third act part, 
Like mm-hmm. it was sort of like, where? How did we get here? Like this was like we were we were in New York. There was a murder. There's the police, and now it's like, where we're going to the Red Gorge? We're going to a resort, well, and there's what's going on? Well, you know how I mentioned the bad lip reading earlier. Yes. So in one of those acts, um, Dave reads the lips of one of the killers who makes a phone call from. You know, I'm not the degree of difficulty of the lip reading in that stressful situation, plus the distance. Yes, you know, probably not that easy. So I'm gonna cut some slack. But he here he reads um, their meeting at Grace George's. Yes, or Grace Grace George, something like that. So they they're like, we know who we have to find. They have a plan. It's it's a dumb and dumber plan, but they got one. Yes. So they the sister picks them up and they're driving just I don't know to where they didn't really seem to talk about it until they got in the car it didn't matter no <laughs> we so, wouldn't like, want to share that so really I'm thinking the plan now is to spend probably 72 hours you know or longer looking up all of the Grace Georges in 1989 technology yeah uh, and book. we're just gonna we're just gonna keep looking until we find Grace George. That's what he the lip, he read that Grace George. Yeah, she goes, "What Grace George? You mean Great Gorge?" <laughs> Cracked the case wide open, did you, Adele? She took Grace George and assumed Great Gorge, and immediately, but everyone's like. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I meant. That was it. That was it. You nailed it. We're we're gonna we're gonna go on your hunch. Like I mean, the Adele should be working like FBI. Like she, her instincts. Wow, off the chart. Well, Reese level instincts. That was that intuition. was the. I mean, like we're we're getting that from from the beginning where it's like, yes, this bookie clearly would have the coin <laughs> on him in a special. I killed him and took his briefcase because it's got to be in the briefcase. It's not the briefcase. Uh, must be on those two guys. Couldn't be anywhere else on the planet. Nowhere else. It's got to be on those two guys because he would have given it to them and they would have it on their person. See, to me, this is how the movie was made, you know? Yeah. It so was like, should we be concerned they're, about They're filming all of no. the actions. <laughs> they're filling all the action scenes. They're getting all the improv. And then, like, just as, like, all of the cocaine has run out and yeah. they're pretty much broke and penniless and in the last 20 minutes of their shoot, they they get together and on a napkin jot down just the loosest threads between acts. <laughs> Yeah. Like best answer wins. You got 10 minutes. The cocaine is out. We're all crashing hard. We need the best. Give me your best ideas. And that's what they came up with. Well, and then they filmed it and then they, they went home. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, so we're going to go to the Great Gorge. I was like, hey, you know what you guys could really do here? You guys could do some great accent work. Oh. If if yes. Richard Pryor is known for one thing, it's his Swedish characters. Just Scandinavian oh. in general. I mean, he just really y- nails yes. that whole region really does. of Europe. I mean, I almost wish they would have let him do his his Denmark. Just him being a Dane. Oh, it's it's just well. That's really like the whole next scene is just like more improv. We need yeah. we need improv, and like their improv. Like we're just gonna hire this young. Um, 
you know, front desk clerk, you know, person. And she's just going to make faces and yes. react to two past their prime, uh, you know, le- like practically their last movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to like sit here and just react to, you know, Richard Pryor putting on his Swedish chef. And, you know, of course, you get like a young Frankenstein, like, you know, like wilder channels his like Frankenstein, you know the doctor dr frankenstein basically he just channels the generic german and like you just get like i i literally i stopped taking notes at this point in the movie because it doesn't even matter no, anymore what what i really <laughs> love is in um when gene wilder and mel brooks were writing young frankenstein they had uh a knockdown drag out fight over one of the things that Gene Wilder wrote when he wrote uh, towards the end of the movie, when uh, he and Peter Boyle as Frankenstein's monster do the putting on the Ritz dance when they're dressed in their Mm -hmm. tuxedos, Mel Brooks objected to that whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he was like, why would they do that? Why? How does that make sense? Like, why is that funny? Why does that work? What any of that? And Gene Wilder just, I mean, like he, because he and Mel Brooks were, I mean, they were such good friends and they, they always got along. He's like, but that was just like this point of contention. And he just got heated and he was yelling at Mel Brooks. And they, they get to this point in the conversation where Mel's like, okay, keep it in. And Mel's whole thing was, if you weren't passionate about this making sense and being part of the movie, I was going to say, take it out. But you yeah. fought me tooth and nail on it. So that made me realize this is what you wanted to do with it and you wanted this to work and you would make it work. I think so that's I a good instinct of a director, really, honestly. Yeah. Like if, if one of your actors is making a choice, you don't, if it just seems to not make sense, challenge them on it. See how like committed they are to it. Well, Cause, you know, maybe you'll get some couple more takes and they'll just really lean into it. You get exactly what you want. What, what I like in comparison is when you get to a movie like this, which I don't know how much, I mean, like what they were able to rewrite, what, you know, if you were able to go back through the script and say what percent really belonged to Richard Pryor and uh, and Gene Wilder as far as like the yeah. jokes or the setup or any of this or that. Because, I mean, Gene Wilder was, a I mean, really pretty decent writer. But it's one of those things like at this point in the movie, this is when you realize you're actually just watching a cartoon with yeah. real people because when right, you when right. they get to that they get to the great gorge and all of a sudden Gene Wilder is on this gigantic ladder that the other two are <laughs> holding up and he's got a pair of binoculars you're like yeah where did you get the ladder and where did you get the binoculars I, right <laughs> what they were in the car you don't know what like, Adele does <laughs> i'm just like so and How he's dare like, you cast aspersions on it. <laughs> he's like, hey, guys. she's like a crook or something. Keep it steady. I'm trying. Yeah. To, I'm trying to look not suspicious as I'm hovering. <laughs> I'm hovering here I over this tree. It's like, I oh, look, that. I can see with my binoculars that he's got the coin in that room. Like it's like with what room? Clarity. How would you know that? that like. I don't know. None the of it the numbers of the rooms are not printed on the windows on the outside of the building. It's like, oh, he's in four eighty nine. It's like, what? You don't like, know literally, what room he's in. Like, like Gene Water was like, we got a ladder and some fucking binoculars. I got a no, I got a dandy of an idea. Hey guys, <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious. I think I might have figured it out. But how how does that make sense in the story, Gene? 
<laughs> just bear with me because here's the next thing <laughs> we're going to do. We're going to go inside. We're going to let Adele pretend to be blind because that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we're going to check in as she really sells it too, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, you're totally <laughs> Hi, blind. I'm blind. <laughs> I was like, you know, we got an actual blind guy here. Like, if there's somebody here who's going to claim to be, I was like, hey, can you show me where the can is? Like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll take you over. Because it really doesn't matter. I mean, like, he was like, oh, well, good. These guys got that room key. It's like, it doesn't matter who, like, you steal the room key. It doesn't matter. You're not it even going to use matter. the room. You, They never go no. to the room. They just use the room for a shower. That's all they, the grillers use the room for. Yeah. Like, but the, the, the whole point was like them, it was like, oh, yeah, we, let's go, we'll pretend to be these doctors and that way we'll have a room. And I'm like, but you never use the room. What do you need right. the room for? Yes. Nobody asks. Nobody cares. You don't You're go the first to the person room. to ever even ask that question. And it's just like they don't go to the room. It's not like oh, here's our base of operations. Right. It's exactly. Like, no. It's pointless. It's pointless. Like, and somehow they just you, needed to get in some improv. That's it. Somehow you go inside <laughs> this giant resort. You're like, yeah, he's probably in room four eighty nine. If I had to guess, what? <laughs> And so it was just yeah. like, it, it's, 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 you know, it's for sure what I want to like, I'm not super proud that I love this movie, but you know, it's, it's okay. It's one of those, was like, this is, I mean, this is the kind of stuff just, I just as need a, an excuse to watch these two guys. Well, this is this, and this is where we back up. Cause like, this is one of the things I was used to do with home alone. It's like, I could do this all day. And like, we talked about this, like, this is one of those things where we have a lot of fun because like you watch these movies and you love them, so you never see the bad. You never see the right. stuff that like right. this just doesn't make any sense. So it's like when you go and you watch it purposefully, it's like because I mean like same thing with Harvey. It's like okay, when you watch it, it's like yeah, there are some parts of this like oh, this is a little creepy. Yeah, it's like when you actually pay attention. It's like overall, you're like I just love. I turn this movie on anytime and watch Why it. Why do love I feel it. uncomfortable? It's like right oh, now. I feel a little weird now. Like what? But it's like that's that's one of the. Fu- I mean that's part of the fun we have with it is going and watching it. And we're, you know, even just to be humorously critical about it. Cause it right. is like, by the time right. you get to this point in the movie, you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what anybody's I really, doing. It's just, it's not even worth taking notes. Like, no, just, it's just it like, doesn't ah, matter at all. Whatever happens. At I this probably point, should just, have gave up even earlier, but I really tried to stick it. <laughs> well, it's, and, and the thing, I mean, but like, I mean, you got to talk about that scene with Gene Wilder. Cause he has this, like they established this really weird sexual relationship. Yes. Yes. Between uh, the uh, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Joan Severance. Joan Severance. Yeah. So like for whatever. So like they were gonna shoot and kill them when they first escaped the police yes. station, and Gene Wilder just to buy time just goes, "Can I get a request?" Like like he's like you know like it's death row prison, I guess. Yeah. And he's like, can you scratch my nose? Like, he really just wants a nose scratch because he's handcuffed. Can't scratch his nose. She scratches it and then, like, open mouth kisses him for, like, three to four seconds. Yeah. You're like, well, that was an interesting take. <laughs> that was definitely not what I was expecting. So, like, he, there's this sort of playfulness sort of reciprocated a bit. Like, he, he so he's, like, in her hotel while the diversion is taking place with the sister crashing into the car. What a great plan. Like, I, like it would immediately get back to them, you know, oh, <laughs> like she, their... She just goes full on, like, 
bam, I'm going to destroy this car. She gets up ahead. Like, there's, there was no reason for her to get that much momentum. No. <laughs> to but it was like, to yep. do what little damage she did. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, Kevin Spacey's character is out there with her. Joan Severance's character is taking a shower. Uh, and so, like, this is, you know, this is Gene Wilder's. This is Dave's time to make his move, to find the coin, which they keep loose in a... Like a bag, like a they also have shampoo. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, why? Like, this looks like something really? a 14 year old girl would wear to the mall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, why wouldn't you secure that up a bit more? It's so important. It's and I'm like, like a. Aren't you guys having the meeting here? Wasn't that what she yeah. said on the phone? Like, oh, yeah, we'll meet up here at this place. I'm yeah, like, well, yeah, that's that presumably. Yeah. And I'm like, so when is the when is, when is the meeting happening? Why has the meeting not happened? Just, just things I don't get. You know, like. So, you know, Gene Wilder breaks in. So she's naked, and he, he just sticks his hand in his pants as she kind of goes for her yes. gun. Like, he catches her off guard, and uh, she's she's just wearing a towel. And uh, he, so he's, yeah, he sticks his, like, like I don't know if it's ever fooled anyone ever in the history of any human being. Uh, on it fooled Earth. her. Yeah, were you that old? Like, and I've seen like it happen in a lot of may- maybe mainly cartoons. But if you stick your finger, like if you need to, if you need to give off the impression that you're holding a gun, but you don't actually have a gun, just stick a candy bar in your pocket. I've seen it. It's like a cliche almost, you know. It really so is. He, he's he sticks his hand in there and like you know, kind of demeans her a little bit. Gets kind of cringy. Yeah, <laughs> makes her like, mm. makes her like he's got what he needs. But he, he kind of, like, pauses and takes advantage of the situation and, like, makes her drop her towel. Then he walks over and gives her, like, another big wet kiss. And she's – her eyes are saying, like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. it's So, like, maybe she's not the sexual degenerate we're led to believe. Like, I just don't how, – how am I supposed to feel about this? Is it, It's played for comedy. But he holds her up with his erection, basically. Yeah. I mean, and that's it's what like, it boils down uh... to. <laughs> This feels weird now. Yeah, like because it is. It's one of those things. It, it's one of those things where because this this is another one of those tropes from the eighties where it's like, how could we possibly weave just a little bit of nudity into this? Because it's kind of right. it's kind of like this is why we got uh, this is why well, we, we got Joan we, Severance. We got isn't the it, R, yeah, that's why we got her, and we also have an R rating anyway. Yeah, thanks like, to we were going to let Richard Cryer. <laughs> Richard was just going to curse up a storm anyways, but it's always like we knew it was going to be R. Well, like, they worked okay. in like the doctor, like, you know, think, well, they made him a gynecologist just so like Richard yeah. could say pussy and fuck. Oh, yeah. Man. That was, you know, that was, I mean, like, that was, I mean, this is like, this is so egregious. It's just, yeah, it's over the top. And I'm like, just let Richard be. This is just Richard playing Richard now. It's like, yeah, if yeah, Richard yeah. Pryor did not write that scene, I don't know who right. did. A 10 year old boy did. I mean, he he's like he's like a a volcano that needs to let off steam. You know, he yeah. has to say pussy. Like he can't say not he can't not say pussy. And, and it just <laughs> it, and it just go like, you know, it, the whole. And by whole, the way, twelve year old me is loving every bit of it. Oh yeah, that well, guy held up that lady with a boner. And that's a boner. <laughs> that's that's another one of those things. Like to I mean to give give credence to kind of what we're doing here. It's when I was like some of the, some of the and because we watch we watch the music and even kind of like what you said at the beginning it's like it's been a few years since you watched it. It's one of those like some of the reasons why we love these movies is because they hit so well for us 
at ages that it was meaningful that right. you have that you have that nostalgia forever. It's like one of those. It was like okay, I mean, I wore out a Billy Madison tape and I wore out an Ace Ventura uh, two when Nature Calls tape because I watched them so many times. It's like you go back and watch them. It's like there's, I mean, Billy Madison holds up better than Ace Ventura. It was like yeah, okay. It it's it's one of those where it's like okay, some if you watch it now and try and make the case for somebody's like this movie's hilarious, it's like yeah, it's really stupid, it's stupid it's really funny, stupid. but yeah. it's one of those yeah. like okay, that's that's what we're dealing with here. It's like it is. You're like when you just acknowledge like it's a cartoon where adults get to do whatever they really want to do, and we don't question mm-hmm. it just because. Right. It's just fun. It's just it's yeah. candy. It's enjoyable. It's a little. Over, I mean, like you said, it's like if you trim this down to about ninety minutes. It, I mean, same kind of thing like with Hot Rod. It's like if you just trim this down to like, okay, 90 minutes. Yeah, because Hot Rods was really brief. I was, it, and it was perfect. It was like 70 minutes or something like that. I, I think mean, it, was, it was really short. Uh, yeah, and it was like, and it just, and it worked. It like, I think that's the thing yep. is like, by the time you get to like, okay, we've gone to the Great Gorge and now we're going to like the evil layer of this guy. He's got a limousine <laughs> yeah. where he has a desk in the back seat that he drives around. Like, and for some <laughs> it's a reason, very eighties thing to do, right? Like there. he's like Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget because we he can really only is. see the back of his head for some reason. Like, yeah, what? Well, because if you see his face, you're going to give away the big reveal, I yeah. guess. Like, oh, look, he looks blind. I guess. But he's like Doctor Claw, yeah, from like Nature Mouse. I mean, it's very weird. But it it just it just doesn't matter because like that that third act was just really let's let's you know let's let Richard and Gene do their thing, and yeah. that's you know that's exactly what they do even down to like the scene where like the helicopter pilots trying to escape, yeah. And Gene Wilder picks up like a knife. He's holding a giant knife. Yeah, like, like, like but he's holding it by the tip of the blade. Yeah, like he's gonna throw it at him. And and then like the the scene right before where they break into the compound where he's standing on top of the car and the yeah. the emergency brake gives loose it's like what's right. happening it's but like, he's deaf so he's standing on the car it. right exactly you were just up that huge ladder <laughs> this what are you doing man what is going like, on which which was the like, what shouldn't you have done when did you get <laughs> if you have the butter? car you don't need the ladder if you have the ladder you don't need the car. Like, oh, here, you take this giant board we'll use to, to get over that wall. Where did the board come from? Where no did the idea. peanut butter for the dogs well, come from? It, again, it's it's the heightened plan developing skill yeah. they have. It's like, here's what you did. You they called don't, they don't, Acme. All they need is like a blink of an eye, and they have a, they got a getting out of a jam plan ready. They never thought Always. we'd make it this far. That's right, Gene Wilder. Yeah. Because this is ridiculous. I don't even know where we're at anymore. No. It, it again, it doesn't matter. It's like I, I really I enjoy why I've watched it I watched it a couple times because I paid like thirteen dollars for the doggone thing. Uh but I was like, you know, I'm gonna watch this twice. You know, yeah, I I typically tend to do that anyway, but uh this movie I feel like even though I hadn't seen it in years, I pretty much could have gotten away with not watching it again. So, you know, if I buy it, I might as well just watch it a couple yeah. times. Fuck it. And it's it's one of those I'll like, probably never watch it again. It, it's <laughs> well, I always I always rationalize stuff that like that where it's like, okay, you know what? If ten years from now I'm just sitting here on a Saturday afternoon and it's like I know that it's a dumb movie, but I am gonna turn on See No Evil, Hear No Evil because cause it's it's one of those like when you bring it up to people's like See No Evil, Hear No Evil it's like, Oh, that's classic prior and wilder. Right. It's like, have you watched it recently, though? 
Because, yeah. and, and no, it is. It, it's the people like us who are younger and saw it. Yeah. But it was like a movie that you could just easily see as a younger. Like, you know, it was rated R, but it, like, it had Willy Wonka in it. Yeah. Mom, can't be bad. And, you know, if they if they say pussy or fuck, it's not the end of the world for your kids. So, you know, it's... And, and 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 parents lord over their kids like never before nowadays. Oh yeah, it really didn't matter what you were watching as a twelve year old. I mean, R rated. I mean, it's like why'd you wait till you were twelve? You know, I was watching R rated movies when I was nine. Well, and, and like that's that's the thing that's always just so funny is like when you think about it, it's like holy, like when I watch movies that I know I watched in the nineties, it was like I was I would have been eight when I watched this. It's like okay, some yeah. of the stuff, some of the stuff is like okay, that went over my head, that went over my head, that went over my head. Um, a lot of it, yeah. But it's, I like rewatching movies like this because you do catch things you never you, you you were watching it through the eyes of a, a young yeah. naive kind of inexperienced kid, so you pick up on things. I, I'm amazed at how many times that happens with me. Well, and that's that's why it's when I was like, you know, it, it is because like it, just in going through it, it's like okay, our purpose here is not to just tear see no evil you know hear no evil apart like oh this is, this is the worst no. movie. don't waste your time it's like no no it's, it's a silly it's fun. goofy yeah. funny movie with gene wilder and richard Pryor, two guys that we respect the hell out of because yes. they were comedic giants they did great things everything doesn't land always but it's when i was like if you want to turn on you know an hour and 40 minutes of goofy nonsense where these guys yeah. are yeah. running around new york they're you know banging into stuff and it's just this i mean just the most ridiculous nonsense from the 80s all packed into you know an, an hour and 40 minutes you you can watch it and you'll enjoy it i've i've watched it twice in the last couple weeks you watched it twice since you bought it which was yeah. just uh, like a week ago so it's like yeah. it's when i was like yeah it's and like would i pay to go see this in theaters now maybe not but the thing is like it doesn't matter it's when i was like it, it this is i mean I've watched through all the police academy movies. They don't hold up at all. I mean, like <laughs> I some of them. Yeah, I mean, I there's moments. So. What is it? It's when I was like, you would never hear me in a legitimate. Well, the, setting. the gay bar thing would. I mean, never. Like, yeah, there's. I mean, there and that's it's the thing, so mean spirited. Like, there's so many parts to these movies. Uh, like, cause and I mean, you know, like when we went back when we were doing Nightmare on Elm Street movies, there's so many parts of all these movies that we should just be happy we got because if we were growing up today, we wouldn't get any of this. Yeah, and and guess what? We're fine. We're yeah. We're okay. We're well adjusted parents. Exactly. <laughs> like we're fine. I'm raising children. There are people, little versions of me that will have all of this. So when they go out into the world, there will be more. They'll teach hey, well, your children. When they children. grow up and get to forty, we'll you know we'll we'll compare notes. Yeah, I'll be who, dead. Who, but who was right? Yeah, well, you, well, yeah, probably me too. But I no, like I'll definitely. I'm like, there's no way. That's like, <laughs> I would have to live for like another thirty years. That's not happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we can always aim big. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna free basing just set myself on fire. Can I? I mean, it's when it's bound to happen. It happened I know, prior. I know. It, I'm just. I'm waiting. I for say that all me. the time. I say that all the time. Can't believe Adam made it another year without setting himself on fire in a tragic racing accident. It happened to Michael Jackson. It happened to Richard Pryor. I mean, like, I don't think Michael Jackson set himself on fire rebasing. <laughs> well, he 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 got on fire. There was he, fire. That's on true. Him. That's true. But I might yes, it might he, not happen to he, me by freebasing. It might happen through other means. I might get a. I mean, it might be set on fire 
from lightning. I love that you're spreading this rumor of any any invent, incident involving fire was probably ca- caused by free basing. Any, any person who's Mrs. ever Johnson been on fire. Thirteen B. Yep, she was on fire. Free basing. <laughs> really? She runs the church bingo. I know. And she's been skimming off the top, and she's been using that extra for freebasing and rum and lighters. That's what she's been using it for. <laughs> just, uh, it was just a matter of time, and that's what 141 she, proof rum. Oh my goodness! I mean, she was just—it was a. I mean, that's gasoline. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that that's just, like what? What's that? What's that pure grain like? Fucking shit! Uh, oh god. It, it it's like it this is like ladder fluid. I mean, she ingesting. Uh, she was drinking hand sanitizer at this point. I mean, let's just Everclear. I think is what I'm thinking of. And that shit is woof. It's just like in drinking fire. That's yeah, that's all it is. And you're, I mean, you're bound to be playing with matches while you're doing. Obviously, this, I mean that was one of those things. The, as a kid, they're like, "Oh, don't play with matches." I was like, I mean, you know, they don't call it Disco Inferno for nothing. No, I mean, they this don't. Is, this is the disco era. Everything well, and it's like, oh, fire. you know, there was that song, I Want to Be Like Mike, and then Michael Jackson gets set on fire. And I was like, well, kids are going to get all the copycats. Kids are going to want to get set on fire just like Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's what you get. I mean, honestly. shilling Pepsi. That's what I'm I surprised there weren't more kids that got set on fire at that Neverland Ranch. It's just, it was a... Well, you never heard about it because of all the, you know, putting razor blades in candy talk. Oh, yeah, that was... Really dominated the conversation between mothers. If I ate one Twix with a razor blade in it, I ate a thousand. So I've literally eaten a thousand Twix yeah, with razor blades in them. My insides are shredded yeah. right now. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, like, that's why I have no will to live. and But that's because of the razor blades. Um, the razor blades. And the rum and the free basing. So that's that's here. See no evil, hear no evil. That's basically the movie. Yeah, we ended it, on a really great note. <clears throat> yeah, it, the movie ends. <laughs> I can confirm that it does end. It does end, and and uh, I, I'm 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 not necessarily I'm not at all regretful that I picked no, this movie. You it shouldn't it be. does seem <laughs> there's so many other movies. Like I kept changing. I probably changed my mind i even changed our mind recording yes <laughs> like i couldn't but, help like what movie could this other one be but like so think, much I mean, pressure i might as well let it be when you think about life. all like when i go back and especially because like, that's one of the things i mean we're the kind of guys we love like we we watch a ton of stuff but yeah. like our meat and potatoes it, it, like if i could only have one kind of movie to watch for the rest of my life it would not be foreign films it would not be dramatic thrillers. It would be funny movies where people yes. are getting hit in the nuts yeah. and set on fire from freebasing. That's what Just I would want to watch for the rest of my life. Feet crashing in between legs, man. Exactly. And it's like that, reckless abandon. That's who we are. And it's like if you go back and you rewatch, I mean, it's like I'm joking around about Carpool, but I have voluntarily watched Carpool within the last three <laughs> years of my life. And just because it's like, is it was this bad? Oh yeah, it was bad. But I watched it again because I was like, it might have been good. I don't, I don't regret know. watching no. this thing at all. It's like it's stupid funny, and it's sort of like, and it's just that's that's what I live for. It's like I'm, I mean, I celebrate comedy in all forms and fashions, but stupid funny is just one of those. Is like it will always be a great thing to have in our lives because 
if we can't laugh at that kind of stuff, if we can't laugh at somebody getting hit in the nuts yeah. or getting set on fire while they're freebasing, then I don't know <laughs> where we are as a society. I feel I like our wanna... new tradition for February movies, if we revisit this again, you know, it it's movies that we have a love affair with, but also movies that are we just admit are really stupid, but we love them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily a guilty pleasure. It's not like that. Like we really do think these are good movies. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like I, I, like and like I I bought this movie with Stir Crazy and the toy, and yeah. I realized when I was watching it again that I didn't they didn't they didn't jip me on the toy. It is in there. I was really excited to find that out. Oh, because the way the packaging goes. It's it's one of those wider D- Blu-rays where it has the two ridges in the middle where there should be like a uh, one of those uh, sleeves that kind of pivots yeah. back and forth, and there's right. not one. So I assumed that it was missing, but what happened was uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil was on one side of the disc, and on the other it said Stir Crazy. When I lift up Stir Crazy underneath it, there's uh, the toy. I was like, ah, you know what? I didn't I even look there. I don't like that. I don't, I don't either. That. It's I like hate you're that. inviting scratches. And, and yeah, it's like, okay, you put this in a case. Like, it would have cost 0.03 cents more to put in the flimsy little, uh, that middle divider where I could rest this disc. And I would, I mean, I was already paying $17. I like, mean, you, you, Adam, you know me. You know I'm a pretty yeah. happy go lucky dude. Exactly. I love my kids. I exactly. will yell at my kids if they pull some shit like that. If they yeah. pulled a movie out of the air. And then try to stick it in a DVD case that already had a disc in it? Yeah. I would literally yell at my kids. I would punch the Pope <laughs> square in the face. So anyway, yeah, that's yes. not right that they do that. No. How dare they? How dare How they? How dare you, Mr. <laughs> Pope? I will so, punch you in the face. Though Those are my two picks. I'm spent. Uh, next week, we're going to cap this thing off with your second, our fourth Yes. And during this this month long movie, the fe- February movies we have a love affair with. What why don't you go ahead and announce what the next I'm, movie is going to be? And what's great is especially since we hyped this whole burn victim thing up in the in the final act here. We really did. I, I that didn't was do that absolutely on coordinated. I, like it so just kind of happened and I realized when we oh get to goodness. 150, we really got to start working in the burn burn victim. That's burn what we, victim like, that's angle, the angle of this movie because <laughs> it's going to transition us really well into the first. Ron, Deadpool don't forget movie. to mention the 1980 freebasing accident. Freebasing, Richard, <laughs> Richard. That was what inspired the character, the comic character Deadpool in the first place. Was mm-hmm. Richard Pryor being set on fire? So next week, we will be watching one of my favorite movies of all time. The uh, the initial installment of the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool franchise, the first Deadpool movie, where he is fully engulfed in flames at one point. Yes, um, and this is such an on serious pick. Like yeah. you really like you you threw Harvey in, but you were like, we're going to end this with Deadpool. It's obvious, yeah. and just it's, like it's, we ended our Halloween spectacular month with Halloween. Yeah, we gotta we gotta close strong. And it's one of those, it's one of those movies where it's like. There's a lot of people that really love Deadpool, and then there's a lot of grown-ups that watch Deadpool and is like, what are you, 13? I was like, yeah, I am, because this movie is way better than you. Shut your face. Yeah. Well, it's an amazing we'll get film. get ready to, to witness Ryan Reynolds' shriveled, burned penis. Oh, my goodness, yeah. There's so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's going to change your life in ways you didn't know were possible. 
Which, by the way, he's burnt. He's still showing pretty impressively right Yeah. Now. I mean, yeah, you're, give it up. You're going to get profanities like shit spackled Muppet fart. <laughs> you don't get that <laughs> in yeah. your average. No. I mean, where's that, yeah. where's that in uh, Avengers Endgame? Hey, Disney not. owns this character now. <laughs> yeah. And they're bringing him to the MCU. And they're bringing it to him as R-rated, too. Yeah. And it's gonna change. It. It's gonna change. Although your I'll life. believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm gonna believe it all day long for the rest of my life. Because in my head, Kool-Aid, it's already man. there. Yeah, I drank that. I drink that Kool Aid every day. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> even know what half empty the packets are. of of Deadpool flavored Kool Aid. Oh yeah, yes, everywhere. Just regret and burnt flesh. Oh, <laughs> mixed in with some uh, Sharkleberry Finn. That is the stuff right there. Now, so is this movie streaming anywhere on the major it is. streaming it's, services? You can watch this one on Hulu or Fubo, whatever that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. They they uh, I, they show up with a lot of sports packages. That feels really. made up. I mean, I don't know. I'm Fubo. watching scores on CBS. And I'm like, it's like you could be watching this on Fubo right now. <laughs> yeah, if I knew what the hell that is. Like, yeah, is where that do a I go? Shoe? Where do I get this? How do I is do this? A, is that a comfortable jogging shoe? Is there like a place that I have to go? Do I need to talk to a person to get this application so that I could watch? Well, like, and what is on there? What's a Fubo original? <laughs> I don't oh, know. God. That's Ugh. the thing. Now, as far as movies go, like I actually own this movie, so like for the first time in several weeks, I'm not having to actually go out and buy the movie. Uh, and not that I've ever like I'm there. There are movies I'll talk about like I own on VHS and DVD, just haven't upgraded to Blu-ray. So like I just yeah. I keep buying movies because I'm we're I'm like, you know, hell, if we're gonna dedicate a podcast an entire episode to this movie, I should own it. That should be a rule. <laughs> That's uh, and I'm I'm totally fine with that rule. And uh, like there's like that almost makes me want to just like at some point pick a really 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 stupid horrible movie that we both mm. have to buy mm-hmm. just so like. For conversation, like down the road, where like somebody was like, "Why do you have this movie?" It's like, <laughs> it's a really well, it's not that funny of a story. It was me being Thank stupid. Thank God for stimulus checks. Yeah, because well, I need that, it after all of these movies. Yeah, when that stimulus money comes in, I'm gonna buy a bunch of stupid movies nobody even cares about. <laughs> I'm buying Carpool on 4K. Give me that. Give me People that. People are stuff. gonna get a royalty check for shit they didn't even realize. Yeah, they were a part of. David Paymer is going to be like, who bought Carpool on 4K Blu-ray? Who on earth did? I didn't even know we put that out. And I'm going to call David Paymer up and be like, dude, I will buy every movie you made. Because people don't even know who you, people would recognize your picture if I put it up right now. But they don't Mm. know you by your name like I do, David Paymer. No. Because you're a special angel that people should love. A heaven from above. That, but he's in Carpool. So if you're wondering who David Paymer is, he's one of the main characters in Carpool. Hey, you don't have you don't have to mansplain that to me. Yeah, <laughs> just check it out on Fubo. Probably, I don't know. Nice. I don't know where Pro- you watch probably, Carpool. probably could be. It's probably on Fubo. Fubo. But you can watch Deadpool on Hulu or FX Now or Direct TV. I guess. Yeah, that's what it says. Now, are you are you going to be? Uh, are, are we just talking about the original cut of the film? Or are we are we looking at the unrated version that you know what i'm talking about there's like a deadpool cut or something there well there was the super duper cut that was for deadpool 2 oh, okay okay i'm thinking of deadpool 2 cool and there there uh, may we you know 
we may get into some references from Deadpool 2. So if you kids out there haven't seen Deadpool 2, you should watch it anyways because it's an amazing movie. Oh, it's one uh, of my favorite movies from that year, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. And I so haven't great. seen Deadpool. I don't. I have so many more. Like, I feel like some things that I think about with Deadpool, like I'm probably just remembering from Deadpool 2. And because, that, you know, because both movies are so good. And, yes. You know, it's it's the tone of the movies almost exactly the same. So, yes. Yeah. Why not get them mixed up? I'm going to be disappointed if I don't hear Dolly, though. That's true. That's okay. All right, so we're going to be talking about Deadpool from 2016. Thank you. Released, oddly enough, during Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day weekend. (laughs) So, like, again, it just fits. It fits our February motif. Exactly. Well, for the Cinemasters of the Universe, I've been one of your co-hosts. Ron Avis. And I've been your other co-host, Adam Peterson. And we'll see you next time.